Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 2nd of August 2020. As usual, I hope you're all doing okay <laughs> under the, these incredible times in which we exist. I get lots of feedback from people uh, who email me and tell me about their conditions and their countries and so on. And uh, you, you always get a little taste of what's to come across the whole planet eventually because you, you can't lock down a planet, a good chunk of the planet, and uh, literally stop all commerce, almost all commerce. Uh, uh, pretty well forbid people to work and then wonder why you're starting to get a shortage of food, you know. And South Africa, uh, uh, some articles there actually were sent to me where uh, they don't have much to start to, to live on anyway to begin with, but uh, they already uh, had people dying of starvation, yeah. And that's going to happen elsewhere uh, pretty rapidly because this, you're living through an amazing time uh, of a, a planned agenda by a truly global government that really exists, if you don't understand that really. What you see on television or the clips on your internet uh, what you're seeing, they're, they're not the bosses. Uh, they're, they're a higher management level above politics, obviously. But they're not the bosses uh, for the whole planet here. But the whole planet's on board with it, you see. And, of course, they do have these setups, these World Health Organizations, as an example, uh, through the United Nations. And uh, the WHO is pretty well three-quarters funded, at least three-quarters by... Uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So uh, you can scrub that out for anything that the, that's factual or, or, or scientific. Uh, Gates has an incredible agenda because his daddy was uh, involved in the same kind of things and eugenics, etc. So, you know, you, sinister characters definitely, but they're not the bosses. The old system of having bosses at the very, very top or uh, the fact that the bosses don't work as such. They, they comment occasionally, uh, but they, they don't take the heat for what their decisions cause uh, on the general populations ever, down through time, actually. And they have the bee. One of the symbols is the bee, of course. And the, the structure of the beehive, that's a royal society. The, first, the, very, the very first thing they brought out at the Royal Society, it was a glass um, pyramid. Inside it was a beehive to represent the perfect society which they would structure through sciences. Most folk think it's just a, a, some kind of an independent scientific uh, uh, club just for chit-chat and, and sharing ideas. It's beyond that, uh, they're all selective uh, masons initially and powerful people through finance and so on. But they also wanted to, to direct society and shape the, the course of the destiny of societies across the world. Very selective, in fact, for a long time, who their members would be. And uh, it, it wasn't something you could ask to join. And that's how the, the world really is run. But the perfect society was, was basically modeled in a beehive idea. Napoleon had the same thing, too, a very high mason, too. And you all know, probably, if you've read in the, in the documentation about him, he went into, uh, when he went to the, <laughs> into Egypt, of course, 
with a big army, which he left behind primarily, and left them all to take the heat. Um, but the fact is, he went into the, the, the Great Pyramid in Giza, and uh, he was in for quite a while, and he came out with, with his... This, this was a big thing with, with top masons at the time. If you just lay in a sarcophagus, and uh, you, you'd get this instant revelation and so on. And be a different person, and he, he got a, he made a cloak, uh, had a, a cloak made for him, and they used some of the golden bees that had been taken out of one of the, per, the, the that's one of the graves actually in Egypt, to represent the perfect society again. So here is a guy who, who's war uh, across a good part of Europe, and uh, it was in te- and even into Russia it was it was intended to unify Europe. Interesting, it's almost the same kind of thing, unify, isn't it? You unify Europe. And people like himself would be the, the magicians behind it, you see, the, the real rulers, the natural rulers, with a little help from their friends. And uh, so he had his cloak made with the, oh, these bees all, all, all around the cloak. You keep getting, you, you live in a world of symbology, and most folk don't quite get what they see. Uh, and the signs and the gestures you get on pretty well everything you'll see from people who who work in mid-management levels on television, representing organizations that, that claim they run the world. But you're, you're loaded everywhere you look with uh, these signs and their symbols, of course. And And the folk just don't get it, do they? Because it's, it's so common, it's everyday occurrences. And yeah, they go ooh and ah when they look into uh, the Super Bowl and things like that. And they watch these occultic ceremonies. No, they're not made by the dancers. You know, the, the dancers literally do what they're told to. Well-paid promotions and all that. But uh, they, they, you'll see all the occultic symbology displayed every time you look at this thing. Uh, and the trans, the, 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 basically the transitioning of society and humans themselves and to other beings always under the guise of, of progressive progressive science and so on progressive knowledge and the implementation of progressive knowledge it's quite something you watch but it's boring as well to me in a way because you, you know what it all represents is meant to represent and it's really not a high high messaging for the public but you, you see all these things all the time, over and over and over. And, and it, it does get boring. It really does. You're living in a world completely different than the one that exists because you've been trained to see it differently from birth. And Jack C. Lull, a really, really good philosopher, talked about that, the, the idea of propaganda and how it truly works and how you have to train a child very early for subsequent propaganda to, to take effect on them. And he said the initial, the initial technique of indoctrinating a child to listen and just accept was so important. If it didn't get that initial indoctrination, subsequent indoctrination wouldn't take on them uh, as he got older. It wouldn't work. So that was always understood from a very early time. Because there's nothing new in controlling millions or even billions of people. These are very old sciences, indeed. And, um, and there's, there's never, again, there's never been a time when all of these sciences uh, are really interconnected now, specialized segments of them uh, to do with the mind and humanity and sociology 
and uh, anthropology, etc. It's all combined today, and it's so much so that even the military, the military, especially the U.S. and the Chinese militaries, they take anthropologists along with them when they go into other countries, either to take the countries down or, or to help them, which is the same thing. They take them down by big smiling faces, and then they dish out cash, and, and then they manage you, and they give you little hospitals and schools, and they get involved in, in education, and before you know it, they've, they've turned it into another little indoctrination school for themselves to manage the peasantry better. These are well understood, and most folk really don't know. They really haven't a clue. So many of the big, big, massive charities you look at are not there for the reasons that you think that they're they're, they're part of, really. <laughs> the military-industrial complex, a lot of them. And that's why there's no real check on where the cash goes except occasional expose of uh, millions disappearing here and there and everywhere, etc. But you only, whenever you hear charities like Mum's Apple Pie, because you've been trained that way, and and if you were to complain about Mum's Apple Pie, you must be a terribly bad person. Yet USAID, for instance, and these, again, these helpful humanistic foundations and so on, they're part of it. They they dish out the cash and some of the training in some of these countries they want to take over for resources and... uh, and that's how things are. War is not is seldom anything. Well, we don't go to war to help people. We don't go to war to even free people. We go to war to take over the resources of nations. And, and you don't get any of it. You'll do all the fighting. You get handed the bill for it. And you'll be given simple propaganda, total lies of why you're doing it. But the ones behind you who already own your country, and I mean own, are the ones who get all the profits from all their resources and so on that come along. And that's the real world. It's vastly, vastly different, as I say, from the one that you're given. The U.S., for a little while, a short period, had some hope. Newborn countries have some hope when they're still riding on the backs of what they thought was a revolution to give them individual rights and freedoms. Very important, on individual, you see. And basic rights to property and things like that, which they really didn't... Nothing was safe in Europe if you're, if you're lower people and lower levels of the class system. Nothing was safe at all that you had, uh, even the farming. Uh, we saw that even in Russia where small plot farmers that still kept the country going collectively, when you put them all together, what they produced, they kept the country going. There were small independent families and so on, were pretty well wiped out and starved to death when the Bolsheviks took over. And they lost everything. And then the state pretended to take it over and run all. But that's... There's nothing, as I say, that's presented to you that's exactly as I said. As I say, it is with this with the American idea. Uh, yes, you got all the crooks running into the states as soon as they heard. Oh, you know, you can exploit this country. There's, there's so little, and it's true. So so few laws and regulations at the time in the early days, and 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 it's also understood and and taught, of course, in sociology that the reason that the U.S. is sinking now is it caught up and and, and surpassed. Uh, the bureaucracies 
with massive civil services and, and, and government agencies and state agencies and, uh, who all implement stacks and stacks of rules and right until you can't afford to do anything uh, and start to prosper. That's how that was all done intentionally too. So corruption always sets in. But for a while, there was an optimism in the U.S. and it also seeped in to the individuals in the U.S. regardless of class. Uh, because they were left alone for a while. You didn't have to pay taxes. I mentioned that before, that, that taxes came in really to help uh, to start off. Uh, they, they called it the temporary war tax or the victory tax for America. Uh, and that was taxing your income. And then back in the 90s, I gave, I gave talks on uh, the history of the tax, the income tax in America and elsewhere. And uh, Effie had Effie on too, uh, and uh, she's an elderly woman who'd lived through the Great Depression. She said how bad it was. You know, they were a little uh, plot farm themselves, like many folk in America. Uh, the U.S. at one time, uh, and this is what Jefferson said too, would only remain free if everybody had the ability to feed themselves, even one cow or so, and a little field or whatever to, to grow their food. He, he said, once that was taken away from people, you were under some kind of tyranny. And he was quite right on it, too. So these are basic these are basic things for life. Now, they give you the, 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 the idea of massive profits if you get away from all of that and go into the high business and high all that kind of stuff. But when things crash, you're back to square one again. Now, how are you going to feed yourself? And so on, you see. And apart from that, uh, as I said, the sharks ran into America like you wouldn't believe uh, from all over the world. And the scam artists, the chronologists. And I, I gave talks on chronology years ago, and uh, it's the art of the great con and how it works and how you must participate in your own fraud, basically. You're, you're, you're getting defrauded or, or, or you're getting robbed without knowing it. But you must, it's like the sting, the movie, the sting, thing like, things like that. You must participate in being fooled and uh, you go along with it. That's the same as voting. You know, you, you, you actually, most folk who vote really think they're going to change something. As I've said before, if voting was real, which it would be if you had a real society and people were real and politicians were real, and they meant what they said, and they had the best interest of the public at heart, uh, then yeah, it certainly would. But it's, it's been, it was, if it ever was real, it was gone long, long ago. And uh, you know, Carl Quigley mentioned that in, in Tragedy and Hope, his book. And he was a member of the society that at least was a recruiting agency. For, for, the, for the management of the U.S. on behalf of those who really ruled it. And uh, he said that every president, and even prime ministers across the world, in different certain countries, had been part of the, uh, chosen and pre-selected by the organizations, regardless of party, before they get into office. This one, this one organization with its own tenets and goals and ideals and so on. And he was no conspiracy nut. I mean, he taught uh, at university. He also taught at um, it wasn't this Georgetown University. He taught uh, stacks and stacks of bureaucrats and people who would be working the Foreign Office for the U.S. State Department and so on, and across the world as diplomats. So he was up there. He knew what he was talking about. 
And, uh, well, that's again a sideline again, too. could go on forever about him. But what I'm saying is the U.S. was taken over pretty quickly. Uh, once you got to World War One, uh, they'd already had, had techniques a little. You have bumps in the, in the road as you're being trained to need something. I've mentioned predictive programming before over the years, and it's, it's a common usage now. But what they do is they, they give you events and, uh, and entertainment too, of course. Lot, most of your entertainment is loaded with predictive programming, how you, sh- how you should feel about this and feel about that and think about this and etc. And what you should con- like or what you should condemn is all full of that and how you should be. And, uh, and you lap it up, not realizing you're getting brainwashed. And you wonder where your opinions came from. Maybe as you get a bit older. Hopefully you will. But predictive programming, it, was, it, was, it also comes out from newspapers, which, of course, the elite have always owned. You must get uniformity of information, and which gives uniformity of opinion. So then it's easy to control people when they all have the same opinions because you've given it to them. And, uh, and, and so they always give you a right-wing paper in every place, every area, and a left-wing paper. It's generally a sun or it's a star. You see, one or the other, or a Mercury and so on. But it's always one or the other that they give you. And uh, and folk will, will pick it. Well, my dad read that, so I'll read this one, and I'll vote that way too. Very easy, very simple. And of course, the the, the, the talks that they gave years ago at the, at the Rockefeller uh, Institute, basically, uh, when they, they took were taking over all the, the industry of the U.S. through different sub-companies and, and so on. Uh, they decided to, to how many newspapers would need, and they other ones that, that spun off from the Rockefellers did the same kind of thing. But initially, they said about thirty odd, maybe thirty two, thirty three newspapers across the country, and magazines. And uh, I think Quigley touched on that too. He said that um, that for every, even for the civil service, they had magazines that would be very flashy, glossy magazines for for, for women and men. You see, in the civil service. And that would cater to them and give them their ideas and what they should think about events and and so on. Everybody's catered to, very much so. And so you really don't have um, true true free opinions. Uh, and and generally, when you're not under stress, you'll never realise that you're getting. Uh, it's, it's not forced opinion. It's a uniformity of opinion. It's, it's selected and mandated. They put across articles that all seem to be oh, from this author or that author, and so it must be all independent. And, and it just coincidence that all agreeing about the same things. And every, everywhere you look, you know, to read, that's how it's done. And of course, once movies came, came in, that took over and loaded the deck with propaganda. But with predictive programming, you can also get events. Because it's like the vaccine, it's like COVID, the, the great um, pandemic, as they say, you know, it's, uh, it's very much like that. In fact, to actually say that, I've read articles before from the, uh, the SAGE group and so on, and the subgroups hired by U- the, U- the UK of behaviourists and the BIT groups and so on, the nudge experts, you might say. 
who actually give it handouts to the newspapers to tell them how to present news to the public in, a, in this, this so-called pandemic and how to the different stages of it how to start it off and put fear into the public and, and if, they, if they found not enough folk were complying and obeying what they were told to do then they could hype up the fear so in other words terrify the public that was the advice given by the government say the agencies through these uh, particular behavioral and psychological groups that were using for brainwashing us all still on the go yeah uh, so yeah, terrify the public, literally cause terror amongst the public to get compliance. Well, again, predictive programming back in the 19th century, uh, the, the characters who came in, we know who some of them were, entered the U.S., uh, were quite open about the, the fact that they'd love to get a centralized system for the economy and run it and own it, of course. And so there's about three bankers, three, or put this way, um, yeah, well, some of them were bankers and some of them also lent money uh, to nations, in fact, even back then. Got together, and long before Jekyll Island came along, and, uh, and gave up these little predictive programming stunts, you see, to get the public to demand something. And so he caused crashes. So three of them got together, and they caused the, the, the crashes in the late 1800s, two of them at least. And I know that Gould was, was a, one of them, and I think J.P. Morgan might be another. But uh, yeah, they, they got together, just like a Soros operation. These are old techniques where Soros boasted in the British newspapers how he'd crashed basically the British economy at one point. Um, and, he, and he said they called up to his friends and they arranged it together and they, they did it and got away with it and no one arrests them because they're too, way above <laughs> any, any uh, they're, they're up there, they're working for the, the real owners of the planet, you see and, uh, and he boasted about it quite happily of how they did it and, and as I said, the country had to borrow millions and millions of pounds to try to float the economy again they, they, they screw folk over and over and over these characters with impunity, yeah, com- complete, just like the two thousand acre, complete impunity. It's incredible. But anyway, back to the, to the late eighteen hundreds, and so the idea was to get the public to say, "Oh, look, we can't go on like this with different banks having their own cash and you know, some of them with their own currency, even." But we can't go on. We need a centralized system. And so, what you must always just like the vaccine thing, get the public to be terrified and demand it. Get them to demand what you want me to demand, and, and then you say, "Well, it just happens. This so happens. We have a plan, you see." And so the thing, same thing happened for uh, in time for World War One, where they, they brought in the income tax to fund the same guys who under President Wilson they brought in the, the Federal Reserve system, and they also brought in the income tax in nineteen seventeen or so uh, to fund the money, to pay back the money that would get borrowed by the government for the war when they were going to get involved with it. Part of the reason they got into in the U.S. was to make sure that the, the, the countries they'd been, <laughs> they'd been lending to from the U.S. across Europe uh, would pay, be able to pay it all back. Uh, this is what it's all about, folks. Is the U.S. didn't go to World War I for altruistic reasons. It was to make sure that all the loans were secured and and with the Treaty of Paris they came out with eventually, 
after the big conference that they had in 1919, they, they gave uh, a bunch of the characters who were the moneylenders themselves, or representatives of them, the power to d- decide who was going to pay what, to, to pay back all the loans for the war. They dumped a lot in Germany, of course, completely unable to pay it all back, so that helped to lead to World War II. That's a different story again. But, but they, what they, the point is, they always get the public to demand what they want you to demand. I say, what's that you say? We, we demand you centralize this, the, the money system and make it, because it's all so corrupt and it, gets, it keeps folding all the time and we go bankrupt. And really, well, I don't know if we can do that for you. Well, maybe we could, we could set up an institution maybe. And, and so they set up the private banking system called the Federal Reserve. It sounds awfully important, eh? And, and yet it's really a foreign bank in a sense, or a, or a series of them often employing foreigners <laughs> to run this system for the, for the American citizenry. It's astonishing, really. But there's no different than, than, than what ran Britain for centuries and still does in the city of London. So, as I say, the, the, you know, predictive programming is awfully important to get the public literally to, to demand what they want you to demand. Save us, save us, that's the cry, you see. We can't go on like this. And, okay, but well, there's conditions here. You, we, we can help float the economy again, but you, got, but you have to you know, a tax system is going to get brought in to pay off the money that you're going to be borrowing from us. And, and of course, that's usury. And usury, one time for labor, was completely illegal. That was, that was hashed out in Wilson's time when they tried to bring it in for World War I the actual paying of income taxes because labouring, uh, again, taxation of labour was illegal. That had been the way for centuries, actually, in different countries. Mind you, they can always get it from a hundred different other ways, through fees, they call it fees. Uh, your countries now are loaded up with fees for this and fees for that and licensing for this and lots of licences and fees. So it's, it's just taxation, of course. And if you pay your fee, in other words, it's like a license for a driving license. Uh, you, you get fined and charged, maybe put in prison if you don't have a license to drive. If you, if you pay money and, and you get a license, uh, then it's, it's, okay, it's okay to do something that, that's otherwise illegal. That's the difference. You've paid money, now it's, you can legally drive. Yeah? And many other things that are very similar to that too. So, yeah, the, the U.S. at one time was vivacious to an extent. as life, had a lot of life in it. Canada had that uh, at one time, too. I think it was dying off with, with Pierre Trudeau um, because he brought in massive international socialism because he was beyond just, just socialism. Uh, but um, up until uh, the 1970s, the U.S. and Canada uh, were the places to be because even the working class, too, still had this idea of uh, optimism. But in the late 70s, it started to die off and, and as economies were stagnating. And, and again, the big corporations were, were putting factories across the world, different cheaper labor area markets, of course. And then, of course, they, they start to inflate the currency and in the process, they devalue the purchasing power. So you need more and more paper to pay for the same amount of goods until you're running backwards. And that's we've been like that for an awful long time. That was all intentional because I've never, ever, ever 
you understand the system that runs us all is not for us it's not for us it never was uh, the chronologists who run the banking industry, the true international banking industry at the top, and the World Bank, for instance, and the IMF, and the Bank for International Settlements, were all co- constructs of what were set up, really globalists. They were for world enterprise, uh, for real, true world federalism, as long as they ruled it all, you see. And that's, again, that goes into, you can go to Carl Quigley again to get your ideas and roots from that one. Empire was the idea, world empire. Hasn't changed. And you will find out that the, the, the great reset they're talking about is, is the culmination uh, for this time in, in history to bring it all into full worldwide effect with themselves again at the top running the whole show with a massive global um, bureaucracy of civil servants. And many of them are private corporate civil servants, but just they're just the same. Some big corporations have more civil servants working for them for their own corporation than some governments do. It's not uncommon. And you look at the World Economic Forum itself and look at how many employees they have, thousands and thousands of them. And they have um, whole departments for educating their leaders, future leaders across the world. And, uh, and, and really, they're sort of like political social leaders. They'll keep you going with the idea they've got democracy, but in reality, they're, they're trained uh, by those who already rule the world. And the world is ruled. But yes, as I say, it's, a, it's an awful shame. Uh, you can see it in the old movies too, before they were totally contaminated and loaded. Uh, because in the old movies, and some of them were silly comedies and so on, but silly and happy at the same time. Uh, yeah, there's that optimism. It's all gone now. It's all gone completely. And uh, and now it's very... And Canada's even worse, because Canada's been... was was socialistic long ago. It was taken over long ago for socialism. And even when... Uh, Gozenko uh, wrote his book on uh, about uh, the fall of a titan uh, to do with uh, the, the fact of, of the civil servant, that the federal civil service in Canada being loaded with communist, card-carrying communists at the time, at the end of World War II, uh, that, that didn't die off or go away by any means at all. Uh, so Canada was heavily, heavily loaded with this whole idea of... Um, Socialism, and socialism too means many different things to different people. It's meant to be that way. It's meant the people that, at the bottom think socialism is going to be more fair, and especially when you're in the middle class or lower middle class or working classes. Uh, you think, it's, yeah, I've got some, I've got a safety net there. If I ever need a safety net, this socialism will take care of me. No, it's not. It's a it's so-called a social science of how to run the world, how to run collectivist societies, and, and how to, how to get, make them efficient, very efficient, that's the idea, right down to getting both partners out, in the, if they have any partners at all, both out working in the workforce, and um, as a stage to dis- dissolution totally of the family unit, of course, and you get a new type of family unit, uh, which will be supplied by the state, which has already happened to an extent. And science pops in, and well, we're taking that over too, you see. It's, it all comes together. However, I mean, socialism 
had a lot of followers in the 1930s and 40s and 50s even uh, because it still gave the preaching, deceptive preaching, we're here for ordinary folk and to give you safety nets if you're unemployed and things like that. But the, the, the science way above it was, was declared in the early 20th century openly by the Fabian Society, if you care to look into it. And George Bernard Shaw, he said that the working, the working man, for instance, uh, thinks that, that he's going to get more income to take home to his family uh, and more guaranteed income where he can look ahead and, and maybe purchase more items, or even if you, <laughs> the, 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 the Fabians didn't want you to own property, they want the state to own the property. The state, of course, like everything else, farms it out to private corporations, big corporations. And so you can bring in the same thing, but you say, well, it can't be socialism because, you know, there's big chains of of corporate owners now in real estate that rent out across the world, and then they do have that. But no, it's the same same folk that brought you Fabianism, so they could have almost total ownership across big cities of vast swaths of property. You'll never get your head around it, the folk who manage money. Uh, it, it's almost genetic with them. They, 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 uh, they're obsessed, obsessed with how to make more all the time and how to get round uh, ways of uh, all the obstacles that are put in their path. With optimism, they're very optimistic, and, uh, but they're, they're, they're obsessed, obsessed, obsessed with money all the time. But the ones who are above them uh, they have the, all the money, they have all the money. They, they'll, they'll, they'll never go bust, the ones above them all. And that's the key to it. Everyone gets, gets stuck in their own level of indoctrination. And, and most of them never figure out their entire lives that they're under this kind of system. You, know? you, you look at the, the different gangsters that, that run cons, big cons, on society. And they're often, I can remember Bernie Madoff uh, when the 2007-8 collapse happened and, and his massive Ponzi scheme came down. But uh, there, was, there were articles out there how everybody knew him in the big city, the big apple and all that. And how your door was open, literally open for him, like, like servants almost bowing to the guy and he didn't have to open doors and so on. Like he was, and and that's, how, that's how these characters live. And you know, it was a castle in the air. As long as folk kept coming in to invest money, they could keep it, the con going longer and longer. But, but it, not forever. And uh, eventually it fell. But so they love, they love this kind of uh, feeling of supremacy over others. Uh, and unfortunately, the problem with most folk, the ordinary folk at the bottom too, they're like doormen in hotels, they will grovel to characters who have this kind of cash. It's a sad thing, isn't it? People often say, and the communists will tell you that, even the Antifa groups now, all these people, these people just kowtowing to, to people who, who, who have been statues, who, who had all this cash and power. Well, nobody forced them to kowtow, you see. It's inhuman, unfortunately, in human nature. Just like the Antifa communists would, would kowtow to, to a reincarnation of Lenin today, you know, or Trotsky. And they would, immediately, they grovel here, that's a god in there, you see. It's the same with the Rockefellers, when, when old Rockefeller had the, the military or the, the militia turn on 
on the, the minor strikers in the tent cities at one time. And they opened fire on these tents and wiped out a lot of the miners and their families. Uh, that's when they brought in uh, the idea of let's turn into a, a do-gooder. He's, he's not a mean, terrible, robber barn type character. No, he, he, he's out, he wants to help society and make it better for you, you see. So they created very quickly, and it all shows you using the Bernays type characters. Uh, who understood human nature awfully well. Uh, the idea of propaganda again, and let reinvent Rockefeller as a philanthropist. And since they, then, once they did that, my, they could take over so many massive businesses and big pharma groups. We're here to help you. We're here to help you. And I remember that uh, it was in a book called The Rockefellers, I think, and it mentions that... Uh, Right after, not long after the shooting, when they very quickly set up this this big philanthropy using public relations experts at that time in that day and age, it was already well advanced, obviously. And one of them was called Gates, by the way, and the other one was Mackenzie King of Canada. He was, they made him a prime minister eventually as a reward. But so they reinvented, they reinvented Rockefeller as a great philanthropist. And this, and they said that for one big PR stunt, they brought around miners' homes, or their shacks, really. And they say they all knew it was done, and all the cameras were there, and they all knew it was it was being done for public relations. And, but as soon as you got in the doors of some of the miners, they took they, were, they, they they could see them slumping, almost bowing, you know, literally looking down, in the presence of someone who was such it was kind of disgusting and, and shameful and sad. Sad statement about humanity. Not long after, the guy had literally told militias to, to wipe out families like that. But that's how you do it. If you understand human nature, it will react. Again, back to Plato, you'll know the formulas and you can reintroduce the same systems uh, if you understand the sequence of introduction and implementation. Sad, isn't it? Very sad. And I've always said, it's, it's, it's not a good thing to worship people, human living people. It's not a good thing. You'll always end up in disaster. You know? But the sad thing is most folk, and especially in an atheistic society, that's why they had to destroy religions, because in a totally atheistic society, uh, they, they do, they, they'll worship humans. Oh, he, and they'll create them for you. Oh, so-and-so is a genius. This man is a multi-billion dollar genius. And it's all fake and all that. And, but you'll believe it. And many of them will grovel, uh, absolute grovel, to, to, get, uh, to get near these people. You know? like, they're, like, like they're magically, you know, powerful, powerful magic. Very similar to kings and queens in, uh, in the Middle Ages and even later Middle Ages and it wasn't unusual uh, for in England too for people to try and touch the cloak of a royalty, even when the a relative of the, the higher royalties they try to touch their clothing, uh, hoping it would rub off on them this magic from the, from the blue bloods that had been appointed by God. You see, so nothing changes. So if you don't have that part of it, then then you you simply have the person who invented. The doctrine, or or who was a, a high priest of the doctrine, as in Marxism, etc. And they will worship them, and you always get psychopaths. Or I don't care what 
what kind of system is psychopaths who gravitate around the, the people who are powerful because they want to power as well and money for themselves. So that's how it works. So if you start worshipping human beings, you're in trouble. Uh, because psychopaths uh, it will be these particular human beings and definitely the ones around them, they're going to be managing you. Very sad, isn't it? And it's no different what I'm talking about here. Uh, than, than, uh, so, so don't look for instant fixes in society. That's part of what I'm saying too. Because you won't get it. Uh, humans uh, that rule over other peoples, I don't care what kind of system or democracy or a fascism or communism, uh, it's always the same types of people who run you. And if they're rather blatant themselves, blatantly nasty uh, and power-hungry, they simply employ those in academia, that's worldwide now, uh, whole levels of them in specialized areas and pay them awfully well to, to do the running for them and to advise them. You see, that's how it's done. And you dress up, it's like a pass up in nice suits. You, you don't build up into, into uniforms, military uniforms. You, that, that was for the 30s, that, that era. No, after that, you put them in, in really nice suits and ties. And you, they're well-groomed. And uh, you might even give them basic elocution lessons if they have to give any talks to the public or little quips. As long as they read their scripts, they're fine. Uh, most of the things you get today are, are all through public relations experts. Most of the, the articles that you're given, and when you, you've got an official, like a politician, having to say something for a PR shot, it's already given the script. Even for a one-line sentence, it's not spontaneous. That's how fake everything is today. So getting back to you know George Bernard Shaw declaring what socialism was, it was for the again a technocratically run society, an expertly run society. Everything would be ruled by experts for efficiency's sake. And science would be a big, big part of it. That's what you saw in Things to Come in the movie, the version of Things to Come of by H.G. Wells. You'd have the Freemasons of the air, the scientific elite would, would come across after this massively destructive war that destroyed nations as such, till you had little city-states or towns doing their own things. And, and the, the Freemasons of the air and their super advanced military machines would then gas them all and take over the world and unify the world with themselves at the top, running it all scientifically. And their offspring would be uh, doing exactly the same kind of thing. But under the guise of what they call progressives, progressive nature of, of the system, uh, they would always advance science. That would, that'd be the pinnacle of everything. And whoever science dictated, those all down, all the strata beneath them would have to go along with it. Uh, Bernard Shaw was more more Bolshevik about it, where he said that he says you'll cut. He says we're, we're not here to help you. I mean the peasantry. He says you know because you can do what they tell you. You won't you won't get food at all. And you have to work, by the way. You know they weren't given; they weren't in there for charity and communism. You had to work. Uh, no work, no no food. You know. uh, so you had to work. And and, and um, Shaw pretty well said the same kind of thing. So was H. G. Wells for the same kind of system. Uh, but Shaw was blatant about it. And that audio clip still out there yet? Not a little video clip actually where he says, you know, you'll have to come to us and explain why we should keep you alive. 
because the only reason you'd be alive in communism dash socialism is is to serve the state, the system. You see? That's your purpose. Never changes, but they always need lots and lots of people to do the overthrows for them. It's quite fascinating. Uh, if you've got time at all. I'm sure much more, more folk are going to have time than more than ever before for a little while as you're all locked down and they destroy the economy of the, of the world, really, by locking us all down. That's the intention of it. That's the real intention behind it, to bring in the new system. So you're going through a revolution with signs at the top, you see, and they're already showing uh, they've got uh, revolutionaries out there for the streets. If you, if you fail to obey them, they'll turn them on you. You see, uh, to, and again to heighten the, the fear amongst the general population. And it's not not by accident at all. None, none of it's by accident at all. And none of it's independent of the whole big picture either. So you, 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 again, uh, you're all being trained to demand help, and to, you know, save us, save us, and you will. And you'll get your vaccination. And lots will, will, a damage will happen because of, I've no doubt on that at all. Especially with, I mean, it's, they're all pretty bad, especially when they rush through all kinds of, uh, without any testing. And then the fudging of data. It's bad enough, incredible fudging of data to try and get COVID deaths up by statistics. So that everybody who dies of anything is put down as COVID. And then that's not far-fetched. And by the way, for every one that they'll test, with with faulty tests to begin with that will come up positive, uh, they they attack about fifty at least fifty non. It's all computer driven. Well, how many person? How many people with average person meet in a week? You know, or well, maybe maybe fifteen. It spits out the computer, so they just tack that on anyway. It's just all bogus. But the intention, remember, is to bring in a new system, the glo- the Great Reset, the global re- Great Reset from the World Economic Forum, the masters. And, um, and they will, you're going to get rationing. I've said that years ago, their intention was eventually bringing rationing, uh, over 20 years ago. And here you are, you're, you're, you lead up to it, you can't go on and on. And, and people wonder where these tin cans come from, or the meat comes from, or, 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 the, or their porridge comes from, you see. So it's all magic to most folk. Uh, who live in, in the whole, they're already under the thumb of the system, completely dependent on the system, you see. And that's what they want you to be, of course. And it's just starting. This is, this is to last into, uh, at least into the, all, all of next year, and maybe for three years, but the effects of it will never go away because is to be a completely, they've said it at the World Economic Forum, and it really does match the stuff from George Bernard Shaw. You wait and see. You know, you wait and see what they introduce uh, right down from, from the, the climate uh, activism and climate changes to the, the group of, uh, uh, what they call themselves, the council that meets for the climate change. Same people who run the World Economic Forum at the top, you know who admitted that the folk were ignoring all their, their demands that you would live a different way and come into austerity, etc., post-consumerist society. And living on the edge, that's what austerity is. So it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's the poverty line. That's where they want to take you. Post-production, eh? Post-consumerism, that comes next. And, uh, and completely depend on their system 
for your very, very basic needs, you know. That's what they want to bring in. So it goes along the way of, of the socialism, you see. Uh, including their statements, quite fascinating to read them, of the redistribution of wealth, to, to make the, the people at the bottom join the revolution. And it's a big, big lie. Here's the richest folk who run and own now the world's wealth and its resources. Pretending that they're going to redistribute, no, no, they're going to bring the the, the the true technocracy through forward, in a complete rationing system with all with conditions. Everything's got conditions of behaviour and compliance for everything you're told to do and comply with. You better do, or you won't get your your little rationing or your base, universal basic income, etc., etc. I really mean this is not speculation. They wrote about this in the 1940s. And Bertrand Russell, again, was one of them. He worked with all of the different groups. He was a member of the Macy Group, and he worked even with the Frankfurt School eventually. And he worked with uh, under presidents uh, and prime ministers to design a post-World War II culture for the public, leading to the changes step by step. Of Again, it was always the same thing, dissolution of the family unit. Uh, population reduction would come from that and all other things, too, which you're pretty well familiar with. Quite fascinating, really. And we're living through it now, though. It's, it's not things to come, it's here. <laughs> and you're, you're, you're seeing it unrolled. So, yeah, you, you, the, the predictive programming is all around you. Uh, horrific stories, ter- terror stories, backed up by just dis- figures and data and statistics, you see, uh, that are all fudged. To terrify, with behavior is screaming, oh, 10,000 more cases today. Well, if they just unleashed another 50,000 tests in that area the day before or the week before or whatever, well, yeah, you'll get more coming up with faulty tests anyway. <laughs> uh, but the fact is, these are not folk in hospital or, or who are sick. If you understood how many viruses go through your system all your whole life long, and through the entire population. Some of them can sweep through in, in a matter of a few weeks. Through the entire population. And you'll never know it, because no one's sick of them. That's quite normal. And this is the cons. Again, back to conology, that's what they're doing. And you must participate in, in the con voluntarily. But you're doing it because they terrify you, so technically it's involuntarily. You're, you're being petrified into compliance. And that's, that's what they said they do <laughs> and with the SAGE groups and then the subgroups that worked for them on behalf of the British government and how they would step up the hype to get more and more fear to get compliance from the public. There you go, demanding that the, the media uh, lie to you. The media doesn't need much persuasion, mind you, but when they're getting well paid for it, they're getting more funding now than they've had for years because no one was reading newspapers and so on or and even looking at their sites for their news, because it's all, it's all nonsense and celebrities, you see. They're all getting big handouts and fund bailouts and funding, you see, as essential services to brainwash you and to lie to you on behalf of the masters, to try to get a uniform um, route of implementation that everyone's going to follow, you see. And, and again, isn't it so beautiful 
the, the techniques that they've used. It's, it's, and it is, it is. If you're looking at a movie with evil characters in the movie, you have no problem understanding what I'm talking about. But because you've been, they, they can't all be so evil. Yes, they can. <laughs> Humanity is very devious, incredibly devious. And the people who are going to certain areas are more devious than anybody else. You know, the higher up in governmental levels and, and corporation levels, all they do is sit and scheme how to get more and how to manipulate and how to take. And how to, how to, to, to demolish competition all the time as well. You know, the billions of dollars that go into all your intelligence agencies every year. Billions and billions, multiple billions of dollars in every country. It's to, to find ways to scheme and to lie and, and to deceive other nations and their own people by different techniques and so on, and by persuasion and lies and so on, uh, so that those who own you can, can take more from you or take more resources from countries. That's why they go to war with countries. It's all economic. Marx was right in that. That war is the root of all the wars is economics. It's it's materialism, stealing. You know, yeah, we steal it because we want it. But for the public, you must demon, you know demonize the people that they're they're led by this terrible maniac over there who's nasty to his own people, and very simple propaganda. And the simpler the better. If it's too complex, you can you can pick it apart. So keep it simple. And Saddam Hussein was just a terribly bad man. He was killing thousands of his own people all every year, you know. So to save the people, we have to go over and, and starve them out initially with a total embargo. Kill half a million of them that you're saving, right? Uh, through the State Department. You all know who was in it at the time. It's all through the news. I did the talks years ago on the radio on it. But uh, yes, half a million women and children alone were starved to death before they had the war start. And Madeleine Albright was questioned about that in a TV program. Did you think it was worth it, starving all those folk? Oh yes, I, I think it was worth it, worth it, she said. Well, there's a psychopath right there. You, you honestly can't really fit her into the category of human. I can't. Really, I can't. There was no trace of emotion or, or regret or nothing. No, see with Tony Blair. I said, if you do anything different, again, oh no, I wouldn't do anything again differently at all. The biggest, one of the biggest liars that, that brought Britain into uh, the same kind of war. Yeah, this is total corrupt. We're living in total corruption. But again, it's, it's chronology. We, we must comply with the corruption to make it work. Huh? We supply the troops for the wars. All young guys will believe what they're told. They can't believe they're, they're, they're living in a monster country. Actually, that's changed since, since the advent of games, you know, video games of all kinds. Um, they've, they've, they've trained a whole generation not to think about rights and wrongs for the reasons you're killing and slaughtering people. You just want to go there and rack up points to an extent. But before that, they had to really give you, uh, you know, this is why you're doing And it would make sense to you during the Cold War. Lots of young folk would, would join the military. Uh, and uh, and they'd, they'd also uh, go off and, and fight in different faraway lands, etc. Believing, a lot of them were believing in, in what they were told it was all for, or having faith at least that, that those above in your country had good reasons 
for doing it. And the, and the sad part is, the ones above you did have good reasons for doing it. They profited from it. <laughs> that was a good reason from it, you see. Sad, isn't it? But, you know, corruption in society is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And it's shameless. They're shameless at the top in all the countries. And we do live in a more of a psychopathic era. Don't forget, um, psychopaths give you, when they, when they rule your country, uh, eventually, if they get what they want, was an atheistic population. Psychopaths have an awful time fighting, and so do so the communists, call it what you want, totalitarians, tyrannies, they have a hard time trying to fight those who are religious. So they have to outlaw, slaughter all the, all the religious or ban them completely because because when when the folk have something they believe in to stand up for they're far more uh, dedicated to and willing and energized to overthrow tyranny than if they're atheists themselves if they're atheists they won't do it so like no no won't, won't. so the, the atheists can be manipulated too much more easily but when psychopaths are in control you see they've eliminated all competition uh, like the big idea theory, they're terrified of the big idea. In fact, they they they, they, they stole the big idea. Like Bush Senior, he said that too. A big idea, he says, a new world order. You know. And um, Matsy Tung said the same thing. Mio, the big idea was the only thing that made him afraid. He was, at that time, he was talking of of a of folk who had a real religious cause, because they're unstoppable when they get going. And they know this. So when psychopaths rule you totally in an atheistic society, they have no problem recruiting youngsters and paying them well, like mercenaries, to go out off and slaughter. It's much easier to do it because they give you a psychopathic culture. That's one of the, uh, the symptoms of the fact you're conquered uh, when they, g- they give you a psychopathic culture. So folk who are not necessarily completely psychopaths will follow it too and follow. have a lot of the traits of them, but they're not truly psychopaths. And that's how we are today. Most folk who run up to the top um, worship the, the, the psychopathy uh, success stories. And they want to get all those things too. And, but if they're not careful, especially they get on drugs and so on on the way, which can blunt your emotions, um, you can definitely simulate very, very well the psychopathic personality because uh, the, the, their emotions definitely get blunted. I should really just mention, this is an afterthought too, uh, for those who've been in the military for years, uh, pharma, big pharma, had worked really closely in the, with experimentations on those with PTSD. You've all read, I'm sure, the stories over the years of uh, even trying to create a virus that would go into part of the brain to eradicate uh, certain memories. This is, this is what they hoped they could do uh, by also using drugs, you see. And certain drugs they give to the high um, special forces, so they'll give it to, to them. Uh, I think Atavan was one and... Uh, some of the, the lorazepam types too, but Atavan was, was one of the favorite ones for, for some years, that literally would, would, would dull and flatten the, the, the emotional instincts of the person, the troops. And um, 
if they got the PTSD coming away from the military, uh, coming out of the military, uh, they'd they'd put them on that too to to again try to flatten them, and and it would it would it would it, everything they'd done would recede into a kind of la la land, and but they're but they're it'd also blunt their emotions and with relationships and everything they could go kind of berserk at times, and if they took alcohol, uh, it would have amazing effects at times, because the liver that breaks down drugs or alcohol that breaks it down as you're drinking, eh? Um, the liver would start to accept the the, the drug. I'm talking about when they're drinking at the same time as taking the drug, the, uh, or then then they took the drug with alcohol still in them. The drug would exacerbate the breakdown of the alcohol, and then then the, the liver would accept the drug as a substitute for the alcohol, and it would have this intensification. Uh, episode, and they go into total blackout. That's, that's what happens with a lot of the PTSD uh, soldiers and so on. And so they can't, they don't know a lot of them, but not, don't, don't take any of the drugs that are prescribed along with uh, alcohol. Absolutely not. And I think even the Prozac group too. Again, Prozac was going to be the world's cure to all problems, remember? That's how they, that's how they put it out there. They launched across the world and every newspaper ran with it. Coincidentally, isn't it? Massive two-page spreads in all the papers. A wonder drug that would get rid of all the world's problems and and uh, make everybody discontent, you know. And and they had the same thing then too with with uh, these particular drugs, which eventually uh, caused parents and mums too to even kill their kids at time they go berserk, blackouts. Anyway, uh, this is the world in which we live, eh? And now, of course, the, 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 there's so many drugs in society uh, that are prescribed. Uh, a lot of them weren't prescribed, but they're prescription drugs too. You can buy them on street corners. Uh, really, really heavy-duty type drugs of all kinds. Uh, and cocktails of drugs some of the youngsters will take too and drop with them. And uh, a lot of the other ones coming in, and, and fentanyl and so on and um, coming in from China, etc., and elsewhere too. Very lethal drugs if you get a combination of drugs. And they're, they're padding uh, their heroin with it now to the sellers uh, to put less on uh, the product of, of heroin in, in, uh, in, their, in their, their mixes and their fentanyl product and, and putting the fentanyl in there too. And, and it's rather sad what's happening, isn't it? But there's no great crisis mentioned about it, really. Even before the COVID idea was unleashed, and been on the books for years, then go back to at least 2000, 2005, in fact, with the exposés that are coming out now about the huge test pandemics that they were going to have by the WHO. And I'll put that up the night to one of them, 2005. And it's quite interesting how they would put out this plan for massive worldwide exercises, real type exercises. Well, is that what we're going through now or what, you know? Because before it, before all this, they knew we're going into a stagnant time where money isn't moving. Who cares about investment companies supposedly soaring? They're completely unrelated to the average person. We're in a jobless recovery. We heard that before Obama <laughs> and through Obama's period up to the present time, the jobless recovery. Okay, everything's going fine, but there's no jobs. 
so the whole pandemic thing was to bring in the, the next part of the system, the, the new wave. You might call it the new wave, uh, the part of the system, the third way, and, the, and sometimes call it the fourth way, the fourth industrial revolution, uh, the WEF. All planned long ago, they knew they'd have to get us to this stage, and, and that they would get us to this stage, and now it's time to ram it all through, you see. And most folk will comply, unfortunately, because they're terrified. Uh, their propaganda works on them, their indoctrination works on them, because it, it, was, it took on them. It's like vaccination, when they mention if something took, I mean, did it, did it create a response for antibodies in your system? Against a particular whatever they're vaccinating against, and in some folk it doesn't because sometimes you often wonder if it anything to do with it at all. But anyway, they'll say, Did it take or did it not take? And if it didn't take, well, there's no antibody response there, you see. It's the same with propaganda and indoctrination. The early indoctrination that Lowell talked about was imperative for subsequent lifelong propaganda and indoctrination to take on the person. If the initial uh, few years of properly sequenced indoctrination uh, was was absent, then the person would be more wiser. They could see through uh, eventual propaganda down through their lifetime. Just amazing, isn't it? I'll touch tonight too on on, uh, the European talk that they had. There's a video up there. It's unfortunate, they only give you a little bit of it for the public because the, the rest of it, they, they didn't show the public the rest of it. Uh, but you see the EU Commission group at the top with, with the WHO and the usual uh, culprits taking part in this, this panel on how they're going to handle COVID and, and, and make the folk <laughs> accept with all their dictates and so on. Mozilla, a representative from, from Mozilla was there to make sure they'd, they'd also lead, lead you off into the searches, that you're, the good searches, not the bad ones, mean the ones that they've, they've refuted for advice or fake news. This is a terrible time to, be, to, to really, if, to be, it's a terrible time, I would say, for all of us, but it's a terrible time for those who know you're being lied to on every turn you take where the internet in real time is bombarding you with algorithms for you personally. They know you per- perfectly well. And, and they'll lead you off into searches that have nothing to do with what you're looking for. But it's what they've decided they want you to, 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 to look at. So you'll, that's the only information you'll get to make you come to the conclusion, I guess that's, that is the, all the information there is. No, it's not. But they, they actually have that on the go. So at this European meeting, you'll, you'll hear them to discuss it, and uh, and also had a person from I think it was was it Facebook and uh, there as well, and um, compliance teams and all the rest of it, and, and how they'd be ruthless with anybody who's who's not who's actually saying anything independent from the from the authorized propaganda that's out there. That how they'd hammer them basically or ban them, and this is this is incredible to, an incredible time to live and witness it, because most folks still won't get it. The, the first thing they did in the Bolshevik uh, revolution, as I say, yeah, did this group who used all the other factions and, and, and socialistic uh, factions and different parties, all in, under socialism at the time in Russia, they, they used all the groups, because they need numbers to overthrow a regime 
It doesn't matter what kind of regime it is. And then they literally, in one night, the, the, the smaller group, the Bolsheviks, jumped over and took the, took, took the whole system over for themselves. It's, it's the same thing you're watching with Antifa that admits, um, uh, along with, with Black Lives Matter, uh, its leaders are all trained Marxists, you see, and organizers for doing what they're doing. Uh, but above them, of course, there's a faction, again, uh, who funds it and, and who will then supply them with the, the leaders once they've got what they think they, they wanted and they'll supply the leaders. And you'll, you'll find out the ones you're seeing on the streets will all suddenly go quiet, you see? And uh, and then you'll have the, the same... What you're witnessing is a Bolshevik... Re- I've said it, Bolshevik revolution. said that months ago. That's what you're seeing. It's Bolshevik. Using everybody else... And even the Antifa group, they said they're waiting for a spike to jump or piggyback on top of. So they always use a group that they'll say is victimized, and, but they jump on and they, they take over the movement. No matter how real the cause was to begin with, you see. Very, very Bolshevik. And, uh, and, and I tell you, I, I also put up a clip of... Um, or I might not. I might, well, it's up to yourselves if you want to watch it. I, I, I've got the whole thing here. Of of the so-called inquiry and and, and the, the, where the, where some of those in the Congress, U.S. Congress, are drilling uh, bar. And and, I, and um, it, it was astonishing to watch from my perspective, because I thought this this is awfully familiar. A lot of the women who who came on the far left women. Uh, the, the, the faces were grimaced in anger and hatred, you know. And regardless of Barry, but he, he couldn't get a word in edgewise. You know? It was the same group, really, that had, had tried to overthrow Trump before, I think, during inquiry. Uh, same people, you know. And I thought, this, this is awfully familiar. Uh, is, why is it familiar? When I realized it was a show trial, this is what you had in the Soviet era <laughs> uh, when they had to throw, you know, try to get to, to, to validate why, what they were doing at the top. Because everyone was so corrupt very quickly. And the folk were starving and, and unhappy. And so, so you must throw a few folk to the wolves, as they say, uh, a few sacrifices. But they got, they got some, uh, some folk, and, and these were show trials. That's where George Orwell got his idea for 1984. Where, where the brainwash you, the torture and all the rest of it um, as a victim, you know, because you, you were overthrowing the system, you were subversive, even if you didn't know it yourself. And eventually, they'd have you agreeing with them on everything. I went into the, the pro-proletary area, and I had sex with women and contracted syphilis, and I spread it, and all these incredible admissions. That's where he got all that from, for his book, 1984. And uh, but they had the real show trial, and these guys were like zombies, admitting to all kinds of ridiculous things that had nothing to do with just just fictitious, farcical things. That's what it was like, you know. Except that the bar, of course, wasn't at that stage. You of course saying, "Okay, okay, you no," know. but that's what you were seeing because whatever you said, they twisted it. And they'd repeat it back in, in their own words, uh, and it was all accusatory. That, that wasn't any kind of uh, rational debate or, or discussion or inquiry. But what you're seeing is shades of things to come. 
because the, the people who are, who are grimacing their faces in anger, I mean, hatred and anger. Do you want folk showing hatred and anger at running any kind of legal system in the country? Do you really want that? Do you want that when, it's, when, they, when they end up with, with uh, death squads? With their new revolution? Do you really want that? Because you're going to get it. If you, if you don't say, hey, that's enough. That's, that always happens, you see. And so much for your fair inquiry, you know. We shall unleash the nihilists and the atheists this Saturday, long, long ago. Now I have to remind everyone again to help me tick along here by donating at cuttingthroughthematrix.com uh, because I, uh, I do all this myself, this work, and it takes money. It takes my whole life, basically, to, to do it. And I depend upon you to keep me going because uh, it's expensive, naturally, and I have to live somehow, and definitely way below the standards of most folk. Uh, but uh, uh, it costs a lot just to keep all these sites going and telephone bills and things like that. So help me take along and donate and send a few bucks to cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll find out how to donate, etc. Thank you. Now I'll get off the topic a little bit, but it's all, I guess it's still on the topic. Albert Pike, who was the head at one point of the, the Scottish right of Freemasonry that, that wasn't Scottish. And um, he was also the head at one point, again, of the World Revolutionary Movement, as it was called then. And you find all the top people who, different factions, again, before the Bolsheviks took over in Russia, all the other revolutionaries and anarchists at the time were all Masons. And Trotsky himself, I've mentioned before, wrote a book, different books. When he died, he was in the middle of, and he wrote about that, of trying to write one of the biggest um, collection of Freemasonry and its ideals and so on. Uh, and he'd write all, he was writing it at the time. He started that in prison long before that, before the revolution of the Bolsheviks, and where he's introduced to it. But uh, people have no idea that that's what the Masonry was involved with. And the, the 20th century Western version is very, very, it's very tepid <laughs> compared to its real purposes, um, especially at the working class level. But But really, as I've said before, yeah, Albert Pike trained or appointed Mazzini to take over. And Mazzini himself um, took over the World Revolutionary Movement and went over to Europe, etc. But uh, eventually it it was changed to be the World Revolutionary Communist Party. And eventually, of course, Lenin took that over. Um, but then the Bolshevik uh, faction, which was really the ones who were, who again, they, they piggyback on top, and they're put, they're put there by the big, the richest folk on the planet, even then, to take over the movement, and that's what happened to Russia. It's interesting, again, just as a sideline, because my mind goes this way at times, that Bertrand Russell's wife was affiliated with the revolutionary movement. Don't forget, too, the big poets like Shelley and they were, they were, they were all um, 
part of the, the, the Freemasonic revolutionary movement at the time that coupled a bit of the more modern New age type ideas in with it too and ideals, because they'd get away from just pure materialism into something that would try and, and replace the spirit, the kind of fake spiritual side of it too. Uh, so, and she, of course, married to the daughter of the World Revolution Movement, or one of the, the, the leaders of the World Revolution Movement in his day too. But Lord Bertrand Russell, his father, his, his father married a, a woman whose um, her side of the family were deep revolutionaries. And uh, it wasn't uncommon for Mazzini to visit them, in fact. Quite amazing for them to be involved with British lords, or is it? Maybe that's quite the norm, in fact. And Shelley, of course, was a revolutionary. He married uh, one of the guiding lights of socialism in his day, too, to bring in this wonderful utopia. And um, Lord Byron was another one as well. Uh, again, those involved in the arts, as I say, of cultural arts and so on, and you know, literature and entertainment, as always, were are all part of the revolution to always and getting well paid for it too, even to this present day, to bring in the idea of uh, a utopia. The Soviet system itself worked forever, uh, seventy years, to bring in a utopia, which could never be reached because utopias are fictitious. You see. That's it there. Similar to, to Carlin talking about, George Carlin, uh, talking about the big club, as a, you know, and, and it's a big club at the top and you're not in it, you see. And he said, too, but the American dream, he says, of course it's a dream, the only time you can believe in it is when you're asleep. Because it doesn't exist. It's the same thing, it's utopia. They say humans are awfully devious, and when you get groups of psychopaths combining together, and give themselves fancy, very legitimate-sounding, important names to rule you without your permission. They disappoint themselves, and there they are, until a generation grows up, and they've always been there, so they must be normal. And other private, private clubs are ruling, are ruling over you. And they're very cunning at the top, very, very cunning. They have uh, professional liars and, and persuaders on their payrolls, very well-trained ones now. They can con the public into anything. Again, as you, they go to higher schools of conology and learn how to do it and get well paid to do it too. But you must always influence the youth. The youth are awfully important. And all, old, old, even in, ancient, even in biblical times, there, there's passages in, in the Old Testament of, of very similar to Revelation later on in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament about children turning up against their parents and how it can be done. Plato talked about it too. He said that, that um, even music might have to be licensed at times for musicians to, to push because uh, he says they can so easily, the right kind of music and lyrics can, uh, with cunning people can stir up the youth to revolution. And this is always understood how to do it. You must always get the youth first and promise them utopias and that they're going to change the world for the better. And, they, and again, you train them too. And they've had a long time of training them in the Western uh, schools and colleges uh, to hate the older generation and, and really make them believe that, that, that oh, the world's dying and the planet's dying 
And they really believe it, eh? And the, the, oh my God, the climate change is man-made and it's all those baby boomers that caused it, those greedy, greedy, selfish people. They believe all this indoctrination because this is the, this is the type of communist indoctrination. Train them who their enemy is so when they turn them loose on the older folk, they will quite happily go and kill them because it's been done before. Not that long ago, too. I mentioned it before, too, in, in, in Mao's Cultural Revolution in China. It was the same kind of thing. He authorized the students to turn on those who... And again, this is a Trotskyist technique, actually, which is perpetual revolution, but Mao used it for the Cultural Revolution. And they, they would turn against their own teachers and parents. They killed a lot of them, too, and dragged them through the streets, the older folk. Because even though they were under communism, they still had contaminated ideas simply because they remembered life before uh, communism. So you eradicate them. This is what you, Stalin did the same thing of, of contaminating. Very good term, actually. Uh, and there's uh, it's a lot of truth to the term as well. Uh, you can't unlearn something. Uh, especially if you've witnessed other systems in your own lifetime. You can't unlearn the fact you've witnessed them, you've thought about them. And so, because what they want is a totally, totally subservient, true-believing population. And you might say to them, do you know it was different before communism? We didn't have all this, this rationing and, and um, we weren't dependent on even foreign countries feeding us at times. You know, that's bad news to put that kind of stuff out, you see. But the, the key to this, this, this revolution right now you're going through is it, it is not grassroots. I've said it before, this revolution is the next phase to the next system that the elites already own. It's their revolutions. And it's against the people who don't understand it yet. That's why it's a revolution. You may object to where they're taking you with, with their fourth industrial revolution nonsense and the great global reset and redistribution of wealth to keep the young folk happy, the little revolutionaries happy that this is... It's not going to be that at all. It's going to go in, to, in, in, in stages into total poverty, total austerity. They'll call it austerity to begin with. Well, it's just austere, you know. That means you, you, your patches aren't visible in your clothing yet. Poverty is when, you, when your knees are poking through your pants. But uh, it's just, again, it's chronology. And I hope you understand how it's going to get played to the public. Uh, they want to reduce the population in the world. The, the WEF has already said a few years ago, if they could reduce energy supplies to the public, that's the electricity, gasoline, the things that bring your food to, you, to the stores and all the rest of it, diesel, you name it, yada, yada, yada. Uh, then eventually, with, with, with cold climates, and all, you know, you'll see folk dying off like they already have in Britain. They've had it for years now in Britain. And it's acceptable for thousands of elderly to die in their homes because they can't afford their fuel bills. As the same countries can take in thousands of migrants from across the planet and put them up and feed them and so on. What you're doing with all of this is accepting worth, life worth and life value. What you're actually accepting is this science called bioethics. And I'll touch maybe on, on that to remember tonight as well. Bioethics is uh, a 
again, it's the, the technocratic way of running the world and, and classifying folk according to importance and less importance and absolutely useless eaters, as Russell would have said himself, useless eaters. Hmm? And the Darwinian groups too. And the lucky gene club that uh, Bill Gates and his wife and Oprah and all that um, attend as well. Or the Margaret Sanger group, you know, where she called the people weeds, the children weeds. Very much eugenics, you see, or, or Julian Huxley, that also helped set up uh, the founder of UNESCO. Small world, eh? This, this same organizations just keep circling around and coming up in conversation. All the same people over and over and over, eh? And you're not supposed to ever catch on to the real agenda behind it. So the, the richest folk on the planet are, bring, are bringing in their global reset by the World Economic Forum. They already own all the resources of the world. You'll notice the Antifa groups are not screaming about the big, big top uh, industrials that bring them their cell phones and so on, you know. <laughs> Instead, they're, they're smashing mainly small businesses, mom-and-pop stores and so on. I could go on and on about it, but I won't. But, but the thing is, the WF has said they're going to bring in uh, literally a redistribution of their wealth. Well, whose wealth? And, and uh, again, the revolutions will find eventually that, uh, although a lot of them will be dealt with too, obviously, because when they see that they're not getting what they want after after the revolution, uh, the ones who've, who've been on the streets before, they're all known who they are, and they start disappearing. That's what happens in communist revolutions over and over again. Hell is repetition, isn't it? And you see it all the time. So, yeah, the richest folk on the planet are going to bring you into a state of austerity, as they proclaim that they're redistributing wealth. Uh, the folk who own, they own nations and islands across the planet, you know, these same people. But they're going to redistribute your wealth, you see. And that means that the folk at the bottom as well, until you're all flat, flat broke. That's where it's supposed to go. And they bring down the population. Then they'll say, we, we just can't bring in excess people anymore into the world. And uh, we've got to... Again, again with bioethics, and again the Rockefellers put a whole bunch of stuff out recently on bioethics, with using laws. Now they've got, now they've got laws to do with bioethics. Who should be treated with this and treated with that and kept alive and not kept alive? And and we've already got it in Canada before COVID with uh, euthanasia and hospitals, etc. And now you're being trained. Or, or, well, are you really essential to business to keep the planet going? You, what's your, what's your status? You know, for lockdown. Oh no, you, you know, you, you make bicycle wheels. No, we can't have that. We don't, we don't need you right now. You're not, you're, you know, you're not essential. They're talking eugenics and bioethics to you when they say these things. I hope you start to get the picture here, <laughs> as you all get categorized. And that also to do with redistribution of the wealth. Well, you see, because you're not essential, you, do, you will not be getting as much as a, a healthy person that we might need to, for the military to go off and fight the foreign wars. They're going to bring justice across the world, you see, as we spread the revolution. But to feed them better than you, because you are not. I mean, why don't you accept you're not essential and do the right thing? Yeah. And then they'll say, well, we can help you there do the right thing. Because they've already passed all the laws. Eh? Folk never catch on. Isn't it, again, a small world, eh? Oh, what a wicked web we weave. 
when first we practice to deceive. And you find there, there's, there's this, this Fauci, this, this career, almost like a private bureaucrat attached to a, a, a government-funded agency, but it's still a private agency. And uh, it's got his fingers in so many pies. And also, he, he's well in with Bill Gates, and he's taken funding from him before. And he's involved with the vaccine companies, knows them all, yada, yada. And, he, and whatever he gives a nod to to make this, that, or the other, is going to get billions thrown of tax money thrown at them immediately. I mean, come on here. And, but, but, but Fauci's wife. And she's into bioethics, you see. She's a professional bioethicist. And which really is, is, a, is a branch of eugenics, folks. Who's important, who's not important? Uh, what, what is it ethical for us, the ruling technocrats, to do to the public? What's ethical, you see? Don't, don't bring the public in and ask them what they think. No, it's to all be done to the public. So we'll make up the decision, the, the, the rules of bioethics and what we should do and how we can handle and what we can do to the public if we need to. And this is what it is. That's who's going to live and who's going to die. Astonishing stuff we're getting dished out now. These, these days. This is not conspiracy. This fact is out there, published stuff from the from the, the culprits themselves. But it's science, you see, science is a god now. Anything that's scientific must be good. I mean, isn't that what they say? It's science, yeah. And science can constantly change its mind. Because it's science. We've got fresh data on this and fresh data on that. And everything that was permitted a few years ago is now banned. And all the things that actually were banned years ago before that, but we'll actually bring them back today even. I mean, we can do what we want because we're science. I prefer the religions because religion told you what you could and couldn't do. And it was fixed pretty well in stone. That was it. But these scientists just say, oh, we've learned something new. We have, we've, got to, we've got to bring an extra, an, extra, an extra level of austerity to this particular category here because the world's starving. And so you are non-essential. Let's just, why don't we just cut back on you? Huh? And you think I'm kidding here. I remember reading the articles a, a few months ago when the hospitals, I think in Canada did it too, Oh, if, if this, this pandemic gets bad, we'll have to decide in advance with the bioethics committees who can live and get treatment, who can who, who, will, who can get treatment, and, and it's going to be those that have got more chance of getting pulled through. It all comes from the WHO and Bill Gates Foundation, all, all this information. doesn't matter who's parroting it. Yeah, here we go, you know. At one time, hospitals lit and, and literally trained people to do it their utmost to save everybody. To the bitter end, even though it was, it was a foregone conclusion at times when people were really, really dying, you'd still do your best to take care of them. Best until the bitter end. That's how it used to be. But getting back to Julian Huxley, he said, we'll have to train the public. His big, big speech, you know. We'll have to train the public, he said, to knock, and knock them off their pedestal of being the supreme creature on the planet and train them that they're just another animal. Only then... Well, they listen to us and do what they're told, basically. That's what he was getting at and with, with, with humanism. Huh? You also see this character, too, in this um, video. The link I'll put up from the EU group on the COVID idea. And, and you'll see one of them. A few of them, they're all working in the United Nations. or, or, or the, Some of them work at the United Nations. 
some of them are, are the top medical advisors, supposedly, for different countries, including the U.S. Uh, but you should hear them talking, oh, humanism. After all, humanism is our goal. And by humanistic policies, we must run this, this system. And humanism, humanism is a religion. You know, it's classified as a religion, folks. You have to go into I gave these talks years and years and years and years ago. Secular humanism and its goals and agendas. You, know? you, you see, the, the system that runs all of this, claim, they'll, they'll claim to the public, now they've atheized most of the public, well, you see, we're humanistic, you see. It's for the, it's for the good of humanity, so we're humanists. But then they're going to tell you that you have to do what you're told by specialists because... As they bring in their quality, they, they tell you that a lot, of them, a lot of them are better qualified than an average, average person to rule the rest in certain areas. Double speak, double think. Eh? <laughs> You're all equal now, but now, hey, so-and-so's good at so You do what he tells you because they're an expert. There you go. What a world, eh? And, and most folk never figure it out because they are tuning in to the horror station every day, whoever horror station it is for television, to get their daily dose of, of, of psychologically prepared horror and fear but from the, the sage groups, etc., you know, with its handouts to all the media. But they occasionally exaggerate the problems to, to scare the people who are not complying into compliance. All this does terrorize the public. And you, how dare they use the public funds purse to terrorize the public? Ah. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The same folk will go and vote again. You know? Well, well, we're living in a free society. Yeah. If you ever read the books by Brzezinski, Zygmunt Brzezinski, and uh, Kissinger, and and also read lots of the reports throughout your life. These guys put out constantly. They loved it. They loved the media attention, and they, they belonged to associations and, and the CFR and trilateral groups and so on. Lots of publications about them, giving little talks and lectures. What struck me was initially many of the goals they they, they wanted. And the methods to attain the goals were the ones that communists advanced. And then you find out that, that at the top level, which they do talk about at times through their higher academia, that whatever is efficient is what they'll, do. they'll take. It doesn't matter who creates it. They'll use it in different, different times during their agenda. And, uh, and, and Brzezinski also, also used to say that every country before it can be accepted as civilized, has to go through its Marxist revolutionary phase. He was adamant on that point. Now, if people hear things, but they, and, and they relate it to themselves, according again to the class they're in. So the working folk will think, well, well, that's good, you know, maybe, maybe it's good, we'll get some rights, we'll have unions. No, he wasn't meaning that at all. What, what he was meaning was experts ruled the system from the top, high, massive bureaucracy, massive government, massive centralized government, runs everybody else during that particular phase. And and the public just jumped to it or else. There's no debating it or putting an objection in. 
again, like, like Justin Trudeau has, has given talks on how he admired China during this whole COVID thing because they don't have to put up with uh, satisfying the public or following uh, dem- democratic rules that you have to. Well, they can't just jump and do that because we've got rights here and, and public input, at least the public think they do. Uh, things like that. Whereas in China, the Politburo just decides, experts decide, and they push something and it's immediately obeyed and implemented. So for efficiency's sake, I like that, you see. So that, that's exactly what has to go into the, with the so-called democratic systems to be phased in under crisis and to uh, really, really a technocratic phase, non-democratic. But again, remember, the same agencies in Council and Foreign Relations members and so on, not all of them, of course, they'll, they'll take their turns of who says what and their own articles, but you, you'll see it popping through every so often uh, that efficiency must be maintained and even even uh, increased to make the world run better with all the problems it's got today, efficiency, efficiency. And so all your rights get stripped off you for efficiency's sake, under crisis, you say. Then you never get them back, of course. Now, as I've said, it's a small world. I've mentioned some of these articles before, but it's important you remember them because most folk can't remember very much at all after about a week because they're bombarded with daily data of all kinds. You see? And you have to remember what's, and be selective as to what's important to remember, and not to be, uh, you know, conned and pulled out of your searching for any particular topic into all the things that algorithms will, will grab you and take you into. They're completely a waste of time. But again, Bertrand Russell, I, I mentioned him a lot because he was so open about it. Most folk didn't read his books when he was alive, except those who ruled, you see. That's how they used to do it. And um, that's where you, why you find so much of, of the truth coming out of their own mouths. And psychopaths like to boast, actually, how successful they are, especially when it comes to chronology and, and controlling and, and manipulating the public. But again, a small worlds, I've said before, that these characters were part of revolutionary movements, intergenerational. Don't forget that Thomas Paine talked about that in his own, his own memoirs, that he belonged to a family of, of revolutionaries, international revolutionaries, he said. Folk have no idea how old these things are, and they, their, their children end up going into to the train from an early age. And Bertrand Russell is no exception. And they worked for the, for the Crown, you know, Bertrand Russell, Lord Bertrand Russell. And this this article said that his father was Lord Amberley, and mother was Catherine Louisa Stanley. Uh, very important, because I say the, the wife, because... Um, you catch on to, to the, the revolutionary side of it too often through the wife, too, you know. And she was a suffragette at one point. And the suffragette movement, by the way, was a wealthy class at the top who uh, were also communists. Many of them left London eventually and went over to live in, in Russia after the revolution and during the revolution, in fact. And they were not just friendly, you know, just chaining themselves to, 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 to railings outside Number ten Downing Street and so on in London. Before that, they were uh, they, they were involved some of them in bombings, you know, anarchist bombings. So anyway, it says that uh, that was his wife, Catherine Louisa Stanley, and she was Pally. It says with Mazzini, Viscountess Amberley, daughter of Second Baron 
Stanley of Alderley. So it said, it's, it's, this is what Russell said in one of his books, Scientific Societies. Because the whole idea was to get a scientific society running. Scientific societies are as yet in their infancy. It may be worthwhile to spend a few moments in speculating as to possible future developments of those that are oligarchies. It's to be expected that advances in physiology and psychology will give governments much more control over individual mentality than they now have, even in totalitarian countries. Fichte laid it down that education should aim at destroying free will. I've mentioned this before. So that after pupils have left school, they shall be incapable throughout the rest of their lives of thinking or acting otherwise than as their schoolmasters would have wished. Now, this, is, this isn't a guy who just speculated in some kind of wish-fulfillment uh, pastime. Um, he, he knew all the top scientists of his day in social sciences and psychology and all that. And, uh, were exp- and he had his own experimental school. He was given a charter to run an experimental school where what he did with his children uh, as, as a so-called ultra-progressive school back in the 1920s would have got anybody else maybe hung <laughs> in those days because he was trying to do sexual development and sexual interaction with school children, get them all to see if they, if they could, the more they, they would become promiscuous and, and actually give them praise for their behavior to see if they grew, and then follow up to see when they got, if they got older, if they would even bother getting married or just have multiple partners, which is all part of the destruction of the family unit coming from a British lord, right? So, yeah, he goes into that and he says, he said that uh, diet, of course, this is diet, this is a famous part, injections and injunctions will combine from a very early age to produce the sort of character and the sort of beliefs that the authorities consider desirable. And any serious criticism of the powers that be will become psychologically impossible. Gradually, by selective breeding, right, the congenital differences between the rulers and the ruled will increase until they become almost different species. A revolt of the plebs, the plebeians, would become as unthinkable as an organized insurrection of sheep against the, price, the practice of eating mutton. In like manner, the scientific rulers will provide one kind of education for ordinary men and women and another for those who are to become holders of scientific power. Ordinary men and women will be expected to be docile, industrious, punctual, thoughtless and contented. Of these qualities, probably contentment will be considered the most important. In order to produce it, all the researches of psychoanalysis, behaviorism and biochemistry will be brought into play. And of course, what they really brought in was massive entertainment society to keep them docile and, and also a program on because on, on, they copy behavior that they see in movies and so on and fashions. Yeah. And it says that uh, all the boys and girls will learn from an early age to be what is called cooperative, that is, to do exactly what everybody else is doing. Initiative will be discouraged in these children and insubordination without being punished will be scientifically trained out of them. Well, it was happening today with uh, awful getting banned and getting warned on their Facebook accounts and their 
other YouTubes and all the other social media platforms that are out there that they're on to. And you're not getting trained again to cooperate or shut up. Or you get punished, you see. This, is, this, is, this didn't suddenly come along. and you, This is planned long ago. All the boys and girls will learn from an early age to be what is called cooperative, right? So you all be doing the same things as everybody else. Second, as regards population, if there is not to be a permanent or increasing shortage of food, crisis, 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 COVID, yeah, did it. Agriculture must be conducted by methods which are not wasteful of soil and increase of population must not outrun the increase in food production rendered possible by technical improvements. To deal with this problem, it would be necessary to find ways of preventing an increase in world population if this is to be done otherwise and by wars, pestilences, and famines. It will demand a powerful international authority. Hmm? A powerful international authority, right? So pestilences and famines eh, and wars. What do you hear right now? What's the whole thing about, oh my God, it's just... uh, uh, it's a disease. Oh, it's, it's going through the world, and and uh, you can't. Uh, the the economy is crashing because no one's allowed to work. That's the key to it. No one's allowed to work. <laughs> Locked down all the healthy people. It's all by design. You see, this is being fulfilled right now. Nothing to do with COVID. COVID's the excuse. You know, people aren't dying of COVID. They're dying of the response to COVID. There might be a few that that may really die. But, but but the fact is, most of them are are, are dying of utter fear and horror. Your, your immune system plummets sometimes forty percent just through continuous fear. Yeah, and then it's got this authority should deal out the world's food food to various nations in proportion to their population at the time of the establishment of the authority. That's what's going to happen now, of course. If any nation subsequently increases its population, it should not, on that account, receive any more food. The motive for not increasing population would therefore be very compelling, and what method of preventing an increase might be preferred should be left to each state to decide. Well, they're all going through the United Nations, and they're pretty well aborting the, the children, aren't they? You know, It's, it's Malthusian eugenics, you know. Of course, now they'll call it, well, it's not really, it's, it's really bioethics, you see. And sustainability. And each state is, is each country. That was written in the 1950s, that particular book. I think it was Impact of Science and Society and so on. He also said, it says, in other words, if these things come about, these circumstances, right, then what, what could we do? Apart from certain... Uh, deep-seated prejudices, the answer would be obvious. The nations, which are presently increasing rapidly, should be encouraged to adopt methods by which, in the West, increase of population has been checked. Now, in the 50s, it's telling you the increase of population has has been checked. And they'd have to encourage the other countries that hadn't been checked outside of, say, uh, Europe and Britain and in America, to copy the same system. So it had already been checked. This population problem had been checked in the West. Hmm? Have you heard of sterility, folks? The big plague of sterility? He goes on to say, educational propaganda with government help could achieve this result in a generation. Hmm? There are, however, two powerful forces opposed to such a policy. One is religion. 
It's always the same, right? The other is nationalism. Are you listening, eh? I think it is the duty of all who are capable of facing facts to realize and to proclaim that opposition to the spread of birth control, if successful, must inflict upon mankind the most appalling depth of misery and degradation, and that within another 50 years or so. And he said, I do not pretend that birth control is the only way in which population can be kept from increasing. There are others which, one must suppose, opponents of birth control would prefer. War, as I remarked a moment ago, has hitherto been disappointing in this respect. This is after two world wars. eh? I gave this talk years ago, and it actually says that for the harder thinking, which is uh, something I always say. War, as I remarked a moment ago, has hitherto been disappointing in this respect. It's also that if a black death could be spread throughout the world once in every generation, survivors could procreate freely without making the world too full. But what he's telling you there, obviously, is that uh, (laughs) all you have to do is keep releasing a black death and kill off all the excess population that came from procreation, you see. So that's how it's going to be done. And um, this is really high-minded people which is himself and the class, his own class, and those he serves even above him. Really high-minded people are indifferent to happiness, especially other people's. See, there's nothing personal in it to want to kill you off. It's not a deep-seated hatred, as he's telling you, really. It's just, he has to be indifferent to it, and that's what it is. It says, however, I am wandering from the question of stability to which I must return. There are three ways of securing a society that shall be stable as regards population. The first is that of birth control. The second is that of infanticide or really destructive wars. And the third, that of general misery except for a powerful minority. So there's nothing new in all of the things that are happening now. And he belonged to the societies. Everything you're doing right now, in fact, and the, all the changes, and not just in fashion and in behavior, uh, from, uh, say, the 1950s, actually before that too, but through the 50s and 60s up to the present time, with increasing promotion of sexual promiscuity and, and decreasing inf- interference of the state coming in to deal with the, the unwanted children problem, as they say, which is generally, um, through different guises, uh, abortion, right? Um, that was all, pl- he was part of the, the planning committees that worked, to, when they were given the right at the end of World War II, by the way, to create a new culture, a post-war culture for the world. And he worked with the top groups that were involved in creating the cultural changes that they foresaw would have to happen. And uh, they, they, they designed, the, including the fashions and the miniskirt and, and the heavy work on a, a contraception pill and heavy work too to bring in uh, national health services that would be for the people to begin with, but then it would, it would gradually take over and over more and more rights of abortion and implement that. Uh, and the public would, would just accept it as normal eventually. And it is normal now, isn't it? And also the, the destruction of religion and destruction of the family unit. In other words, take away all possible opposition. And remember, every family is a small tribe. 
and folk who live in families have connections to other families, they're a bigger tribe, and they'll stand up when they have something in common, you see, as, as a huge tribe against government. So if you destroy all that popular in the family unit, there's nobody to stand up again in any numbers against anything that really matters. Those that do stand up are authorized armies that are really employed. The, leader, the leaders are actually employed and trained by those who own this system. And that's how bad it is, isn't it? Now, I'm not giving you bad news. Uh, this is just fact. And if you understand fact, it actually alleviates a lot of the stress that folk feel because you start to understand why why things are happening. And then you start getting it, or coming to peace with yourself to an extent because you understand why things are happening. It's not because you've done anything wrong and it's not because you have failed in anything or if you were richer you'd have more more food or backups or something to get through these terrible times that are coming. No, no, no. You, you, you see, the elite take everything out of your hands. Uh, that's the, whole, the whole problem with tyranny, it takes away your right to even sustain yourself eventually. doesn't matter how much you try to, to look. That's what they're aiming for now, for a society where they will dish out the food across the world. And then, as he said, those who, who haven't reduced their populations will get less until they, they deal with the problem. Like, like very quick dealing with the problem, not executions. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is, yeah. And you're all getting trained, as I said, right now. What are they training you? Are you essential? Oh, no, I'm not really essential. I'm this little old bee, you know. Oh, well, and maybe you should just join, put your name on this list here, you know, for, you know, I mean, there's more important folk that, that have to be kept alive and fed, you know. This is happening, folks, you know, and if you can't handle it, understand. Folk who can't handle it wouldn't listen to me. And there's others out there that just take my material anyway and, and parrot it in the same week. I do the work for a lot of people who never mention me. <laughs> but um, they can put it across more softly or whatever, uh, mainly to get their own ratings or money coming in. But the fact is I'm doing this not for not for that. I'm doing this just, just to help those who need to know. That there's people like myself uh, who had to know, even when I was young. I had this, this hunger to know what was really going on when things didn't make sense. When I saw even adults and my parents and other people accepting things they shouldn't accept uh, unquestioningly. And uh, I remember asking them too, how, you know. Uh, I could hear them, when you're maybe at five or six, you hear them discussing the problems in money. I already saw the fallouts across my friends' homes and so on, in my own home to the extent of folk in the misery, because Britain was still under rationing, you know. For years, even when they stopped the rationing cards, the folk couldn't afford the good food and things like that. They were under fixed incomes and wages freezes and price, so price freezes, supposedly prices always went up, but they claimed they were frozen too. Uh, where literally a lot of homes, you had meet, meters for electricity, to, even to get a heat if you didn't have coal or whatever. And you'd, you'd put a shilling in, and as it, as it kept, the, the guys would come in every so often and they'd readjust it. So you'd, you'd start off getting maybe an hour of electricity for a shilling, then they'd cut it back until you had to put in, in about two shillings or even half a crown eventually, as to get the same amount of electricity. And it was just disgusting. 
is, is the increase in the cost of energy. And here you go. It's all through this, the system right now. But God, you start increasing all energy because then your life, your, your health goes, everything goes down, folks, very quickly. Especially if you get cold climates, see? And the hot climates and you can't afford your air conditioning, you wait and see. Same thing. That's going to come. That's going to come, folks. That's where it's all supposed to come down to. But we're living through an agenda, as I say in Russell, and, and many others like him. We're, we're on the boards, designing the future. That we're st- and it's not all finished yet, so the stuff that he worked on, there's still a lot to go yet. Yep. They've got post-family, you know, not just the, the new types of families that we went through a few years back, the, the post-family society. Right down to who will be allowed to breed. And right down to, to those who are goody-goody and serve the system might get permission to have a child of their own. They might even clone you. That's a child. They'll clone a child from you, you see. That's where it's all supposed to go. And most folk haven't got a clue. They think it's all just happening. It's all independent problems. And all oh, the wars are separate. He mentioned, you know, wars and plagues and famines and pestilences and we're here. Oh, we're going to go to war with who? Who's next? Is it Eurasia? Who is it? What is it? Who, who are we fighting today? Oh, China. Okay, China. Oh, is it Russia? Oh, it's Russia again. Oh. It's all repetition. I said back in the 90s that uh, on a show that the big bear, the big bad bear, they'll resurrect it if they can't find other enemies eventually because it's just too lucrative for them. And you can't keep your population in check without an enemy. Folks start to demand rights when, when there's nothing else going to kill you. So they've got to resurrect enemies occasionally. If they can't do that, just like after the revolutions, the communist-type revolutions, they look for terrorists within. Well, we're going through all that too. Or oh, terrorism, terrorism since 2001. <laughs> Counter-revolutionaries or terrorism, you know, they're all terrorists, you see. And here they have this, this complete digital ID system that you're all going to get forced to take. Lots of folk are already in it already. The cell phone was your digital ID to start with. You know, that was the initial part of it. Any parents buying them for, for, for their school children, for snob appeal, you know. When you go to school, they won't look down on you. You've got the best iPhone there to take school with you. It's also so obvious, isn't it? But they haven't stopped yet because they, they, now they must really rush up. That's the whole point. What, what did they teach you in school? You know, oh, you had, oh, you had, uh, you had some kind of um, uh, ancient past where where folk had just hardly any brain at all, so they just kind of wandered round and their, their bottom lip would drag on the ground, you know, and stuff like that. And but eventually, somebody got the idea of, of living in a cave, so you had the Stone Age. And the, and they sit there and scratch their heads, and they go, this, the, this is what they tell you, you know. What could I do with a stone that's not just a hole to live in, you know? And then they start to build gradually and very slowly, etc. And so you, you go through that. Then you went through uh, the, 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 the Bronze Age, and came bronze tools, you see, from the flints and stuff, you think in bronze. And then you got iron and um, steel. And then you go all the way up to through the, the, the through the and then you have a you have agricultural. Eventually, you become civilized when you've got agriculture. And they admit, now, oh well, agriculture. Most folk don't like farming and stuff, so that they force slaves get slaves to make the farming happen, and that's how. It, so so they praise that as civilized. You see, 
And so eventually you get to a stage where uh, you've got all these non, um, what you call important jobs initially, uh, and become the money guys. Oh, money. Well, you don't have to keep exchanging bags of rice for bags of this and bags of oats and and, and spuds. No, now, now, of course, you can... Now you can just uh, trade it with this instead. What's that? What's can any gun try to bite the metal on and you bite your teeth? I can't eat it. Well, yeah, yeah but hey, we've got authorities now that say this has value and it's equivalent to ten of those sacks. Uh, and then you fall for it and uh, you end up getting ruled by them forever. Eh? Uh, yeah, and that's but that's progress. That's progress again. So you work all the way up from agricultural, you know, into production phase, into a revolutionary phase of production and your industrial revolution and you're into industry making things, not what you need, but surplus so you can sell it abroad even, you see. So they've all worked out. And this is what the WEF are on about, you know, this is, the next, this is now the fourth industrial revolution, you see. You went from an industrial revolution to post-industrial to electronic, then into, into the, the, the merging of the two kinds of digital electronics into you know to where we are now and etc. So this is so they planned the whole future out. Did you get asked about? No, you didn't get asked about it. Do you have any say in the WEF? No. No. And the only um, they only bring in what they call actors, participants in the, in the system. You're not an actor. You're a, you're just a, a recipient of, of their plays, you may say, <laughs> and the, the, their goals. But they have all the big, the top NGOs on board with them because you must always have these NGOs to to go and protest governments and. Uh, it's all worked out in advance. The government's will wait for them to protest or to make demands. They say, okay, we'll think about Okay, well, we'll pass this law for you. And it's, it's, it's all a con game. The whole lot of it, it's all rigged with all participants and all sides managing it. But it keeps the rest of the public thinking, you have rights. Well, these people went and demanded this happen and government passed a law. And, or, they, or they give some other group special rights. I was reading that today about selective uh, groups. That, that have other right, more rights than other peoples, you see. And you can't say anything about it. Different, different groups under umpteen different new hate laws, which they brought into even politics, you know, just, just complaining about, oh, that's terrible, you can't say that. That's, before it was just a political point of view. Now, not anymore. And I said years ago you'd have to belong to, 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 to a privileged special group to get any rights at all. And, and you're actually there. You really are there. We're definitely there. Some some groups are untouchable, and, and the shame of, of police to to allow the, the the grooming of children, for instance, because it's it's just a political hot topic of, of who's doing it. So the crime can continue and can just disgusting. It tells you your whole system's finished because it's not there to, to protect ordinary folk at all, or definitely not children. But we're taught this is all quite normal. So all these NGOs and charitable groups locked say, yeah, we, we just protest and, and advise and, and, and demand from governments to pass certain rules, which take all their, which is exactly what the elite want, you see, until you're legislated into to complete oblivion uh, because you have no rights whatsoever at all. And again, as it all happens, other things are just rubber stamped by governments like the climate agenda and the and austerity programs are just rubber stamped and, and um, 
then you, you have no say in the matter. You're, you don't belong to any of these particular groups and the so-called pressure groups and organized groups that they get millions thrown at them and they claim that they're just uh, charitable institutions <laughs> or social movements. Eh? Now remember, folks, too, hopefully you can send me a few dollars in my direction. So go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, my website. As always, I say list all the sites that are mentioned on, on CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, all my other sites. These are my official sites. And uh, you can order books and discs or donate to me on the site that tells you how to do it if you go in there. And uh, there's a lot to learn. It's widely used by lots and lots and lots of people. And uh, you find a lot of information there on, on the system and how we got to where we are and where it's supposed to go. Because elite literally will publish things. It's like legality. And often when they pull something off, they'll, they'll even go overboard and boast about it, which is revelation of the method, how they got the public to accept this, or they, how, they got the, how, they, how they cleverly steered you all for different techniques to accept this, that are, are things you shouldn't have accepted. The very things that Aldous Huxley talked about, the author of Brave New World, where he said uh, in interviews with George Wallace in the 1950s, he said uh, his concern was that with the techniques that they, they could be used today, you know, the incredible arts of, of persuasion, where you don't even know you're being persuaded, you're being prompted, you're being nudged, you're being... You're being uh, most folk are recipients of opinions. That's what I see. You're a recipient. You know, you're not someone who who literally analyzes opinions your own either. You simply adopt them. They're given to you, and you and you're. It's almost preordained. You will adopt a particular point of view according to your upbringing or your class, or who you vote for, left or right or whatever. And whoever class or group or, or, or you, you belong to a political party, they've got they've got ready-made opinions for you, which will always guide you into the the one road eventually that they're all on, which is the right opinion. You see. And they're using techniques that that were well understood back in Huxley's days and before he mentioned that too, uh, the techniques of uh, manipulating your thoughts, the Bernays techniques were. Subconscious or even unconscious motivations, these instincts that you're born with, can be manipulated. You won't, you won't consciously work your way through it, but you can use them uh, against the person to bring them to, to the opinions and conclusions and behavior that you want them to, to have. Uh, that's very obvious today. Incredible ongoing, multi thousands of experiments on psychology and behaviors every day done on populations, every day. And if you had 10,000 lifetimes to live and study all their papers on it, because it's just incredible, it's just churned, churned out all the time on how to manipulate their, you, 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 for this, that, or whatever. Uh, it's just absolutely astonishing. You, 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 you can't live long enough to, to read it all. And they won't stop, you know. The, the, the countless surveys right now and getting the people to, to comply with the COVID lockdowns, comply with wearing face masks, um, even getting the other segments of society to, to turn on the folk who won't comply. So they can, they can do that too. And the folk who, who will turn on them don't even know they're getting manipulated. They think they're coming to these decisions and this behavior of shouting at folk uh, by themselves. 
uh, nothing's further from the truth. So Aldous Huxley said that. He says that he was worried that the techniques, the scientific methods that were understood back in his day, back then, um, would get the public to accept things that perhaps it wasn't in their best interest to accept. That's how, how, how perfected that he knew that they were, and they would get a lot more perfected in a very short few years, in fact. So let's just see where you stand, or sit, or lay down on the whole idea that you're, you're not essential, or if you've got some self-worth, and uh, if you haven't, it's about time you, you regain some self-worth again. Because they they really are training people to to accept that you're useless, a useless eater. Obviously, it's, this this is not uh, paranoia. It comes from their own publications over many many years. Basically, it's amazing how you can you can quote their publications and actually read from their books from the big institutions. But you're 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 deemed as a nutcase if you just say what what they're saying when you read it verbatim. This is how bad it is now with deception, and how uh, again uh, there's no weapon that they've got that's not unleashed at the moment. Well, almost no weapon. There's a few left yet. They they've probably got to come out yet. Nothing's dirty enough for them. But here's one here. Again, bioethics. COVID nineteen patients will be sent home to die if deemed too sick. Texas County says Fort Worth Star Telegram. News, and it goes on to say that um, it's, it's almost a repetition of the same handout that was given out in Canada months before, where by the bioethicists see? and the bioethicists take their orders again from the same groups that uh, do all the the tests and pandemics, the Johns Hopkins groups, and again the the unelected Rockefeller Foundation group. They had their exercise in 2010, and now they're out there with all their different uh, ideas on how to manage this pandemic. Uh, and it's all written by bioethics committees from Harvard, etc. Hmm. Very impressive, eh? <laughs> they know better what ethics are rather than you. And it, isn't it amazing? But using psychology again in old days, or even in World War Two, if it didn't like you, they would just take you to the back and shoot you. And the Bolsheviks would do the same. They would take you in the basements, and they had a kind of almost a mechanized system of hauling the bodies out out of the coal chutes and into trucks. So yeah, they like efficiency indeed. But but here you have it where they got to convince you first. You should just just go along with. It. Isn't that amazing? Psychological warfare, isn't it? Eh? And you pay for the psychological warfare. It's all for it. And they keep, you, these characters who do it, these psychopaths, these are the real psychopaths uh, who, who try to convince you that it's all in the best interest just to go and give yourself up and die. Uh, they get paid enormous amounts of money, and it's your tax money that pays them. And then, uh, why do folk vote? So here they are. Yeah. So the patients will be sent home to die if they're deemed too sick, eh? And uh, this is a model for the country, Star County Judge Eloy Vera says Tuesday, as he shared an update that now appears gloomy. Oh dear, eh? It's just it's sad. It's in, in April, its aggressive and successful approach to beating the coronavirus was spotlighted by NBC News. 
enough to decide now on, on the cost of it all, you see. I mean, how much are you really worth? How, what should they spend on you? It sounds like, again, back to, to George Bernard Shaw. How much are they going to spend on you to keep you alive, eh? Well, you're not worth it, you know, you're not essential. So the county has been forced to, to form what is being compared to a so-called death panel. I remember doing articles years ago on this when it came out. That, that all the, the Western societies had, had adopted this idea of bioethics to decide who would live and die in hospitals for, for, for cost-effectiveness sake then. That's what there was a reason they gave in. But, not, but they, were, they were nicknamed death panels because that's what, that's what it's about, who should live and die. So the county health board, which governs Star Memorial, is set to authorise uh, critical care guidelines Thursday that will help medical workers determine ways to allocate scarce medical resources on patients with the best chance to survive. Ah, there you go, eh? There's, there's efficiency for you. Yeah, no, essential? No, no. It's, it's like, again, uh, the life of Brian that Monty Python group did, the movie. And at the end, uh, the Joker, and there's always a Joker in them, where they're lining up and uh, uh, to, to decide if they're going to go for crucifixion, for death, or to be set free. So they go two different directions. And the Joker comes along and he's skipping and jumping. And he says, he says um, so, so, so I think it was Palin says to him, he says, freedom or crucifixion? And he says, uh, freedom. He says, okay. He says, go to, to the, you're to the left and just, just follow the, 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 the railings there and then you'll be free. And, and then, then, then the guy, the joker says, I'm just kidding, it's crucifixion, you see. Well, that's where we are today. We're getting trained. <laughs> yeah, I'm really worthless, you know. I should really just go for, and let them kill me here. I, I'm non-essential to the system. Isn't that amazing? Evil, eh? What evil? And they get, these folk have got degrees in manipulation techniques. <laughs> uh, there you go. So I'll put this up. So they've got critical care guidelines, eh? So all the medical staff can feel better. Well, it's in the guideline. I just followed the rules, you know. I just followed the rules. What's the, you understand that the studies that were done on people to see how, how they inflict pain on other people with experiments at universities, for instance, behavioural experiments at universities. And I've mentioned it before too, the one where the, 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 you think you're electrocuting someone in a different room and you're in co- vocal contact with them, verbal contact, and you could hear them squeal and so on. And then, But this guy in the white coat says to you, another, another 20 volts, and, but that's, he's already screaming, another 20 volts. And as long as someone else takes authority, someone in command, like an officer in a, a military, takes command, then most folk will obey and, and they'll do it. On their own, if they have a decision, they'll say, no, no, I'm not taking responsibility. But as long as someone else is taking responsibility, uh, they'll, they'll actually take it and actually do it. Well, it's the same thing. So for the, for the hospital staff, it says in this article, and, and the, the link is there for it too, that critical care guidelines, right, uh, it'll help medical workers determine the ways to allocate scarce medical resources on patients with the best chance to survive. So they'll say, well, yeah, we know we killed that person, really, by denying them food and water and even basic medical care. Uh, but, but, you know, uh, that's what we're advised to do by the, by the official guidelines. Right? That's the Milgram experiment. It's a Milgram experiment all over again, isn't it? The Milgram experiment.
And folk don't know, even even, even the nurses, and the, and the, they don't know, and the doctors. You know. As I say, most folk don't know that their thoughts are never their own, really. You, you'd be tra- trained to, to do the most horrific things to other people. And, and always for that, with an eye, well, we're trying to do it for the best, you know. Mm-mm-mm. That was what Bertrand Russell said, but we'll have to get religion out of the way, you see. Yeah, it's all here, right? Eh? World Bank coronavirus aid comes with conditions for imposing extreme lockdown. And that's from the Belarus president. So he, he says huge foreign loans are given to sovereign nations by the World Bank, set up again by the Royal Institute for International Affairs, the private group that runs the world, right? And the CFR is the American branch. And they have a branch that runs the European Parliament. And they have a branch that runs the, the Asian Pacific region. A private club, eh? They brought you the World Bank, they gave you the United Nations, they gave you the IMF, the Bank for International Settlements. It's, they're all private companies that are part of this big group. But the conditions that come attached to these loans are seldom told by governments to their citizens. A recent case in Belarus has exposed the conditions laid by these agencies for loans being provided for COVID-19. President of Belarus has exposed that the World Bank coronavirus aid comes with conditions for imposing extreme lockdown measures to model their coronavirus response on that of Italy and even changes in the economic policies which he refused as being unacceptable. So additional conditions which do not apply to the financial part are unacceptable for Belarus. The president, uh, Alexander Lukashenko, said when speaking about uh, external lending during a meeting to discuss support measures for the real economic sector on the part of the banking system, reported Belarus Telegraph Agency, uh, it says BIITA, the name of the agency. He says, what are our partners' requirements? It says, it was announced that they can provide Belarus with $940 million. This is what they offered, right? And so-called rapid financing. How are things here that the head of state required? And it says, at the same time, he stressed that additional conditions which do not apply to the financial part are unacceptable. We hear, we hear the demands, for example, to model the coronavirus response to that of Italy. I do not want to see the Italian situation repeated in Belarus. We have our own country and our own situation, he said. You see, the big, the big bright part, though, we can give you 940 million. Just, what's the scenario? That's what they make it out of. He says, it's ready to fund us 10 times more than it offered initially as a token of commendation for efficient fight against the virus. The World Bank has even asked the healthcare ministry to share the experience. Meanwhile, the International Monetary Fund continues to demand from us quarantine measures, isolation, a curfew. Now, don't forget the IMF is literally like the, the collector for the, for the money you borrow. But, and, but the IMF comes in with its own policies from the World Bank, right? And, you have to compl- and they slash and burn all social programs, by the way. So this is what they're trying to do to Belarus. Here's a big bribe, and then the IMF comes in, you know, and says, you've got to go down and quarantine, total quarantines and isolations and curfews and this and that and the other. So, so Belarus is one of the, the only European countries that has not implemented strict coronavirus containment measures. The no-restriction situation is such that even the non-essential services remain open. 
the Football League of Belarus is still being played. The only restriction kind of step that Belarus took till now is that the school holidays have been extended. And um, Lukashenko has had the opinion that complete lockdown was completely unnecessary. Well, he's a sensible guy. If you lock down everything, everybody's going to be borrowing from the World Bank because you can't support yourselves anymore. Nobody will be able to do it. That's, that's the reason. For, that's what they want. <laughs> that's what you're locked. It's not for coronavirus. The lockdown is to bring in a whole new system after a massive, massive crisis caused by the lockdown itself. That's it. It's interesting, too, in this article because... They also give you links to the Great Game India, really important stuff in it too. And Indian doctor with contrary view on coronavirus prefers not to wear a mask while examining his patients. And wearing a mask, he says, for over 20 minutes and temperatures above 13 degrees Celsius can lead to an increase in carbon dioxide load on human body, resulting in breathing difficulties. And then it's also got Bill Gates offered $10 million bribe for forced, this is what he offered, for forced vaccination in Nigeria. You wouldn't believe what goes on with these characters, really, eh? So back to Belarus, he's not the first president to have been exposed to pressure except by global agencies amid the coronavirus crisis to further their agenda. Earlier in a shocking development, the president of Madagascar made a sensational claim that the World Health Organization offered him $20 million bribe to poison COVID-19 cure. (laughs) Meaning to, to literally write it off Called COVID-19 organics Made from Artemisia And uh, of course you know That the Tanzanian president uh, He kicked the WHO out From the country uh, After he, he sent samples Of goats and fruits and different things As samples for COVID To the World Health Organization Agencies that were doing the testing in his country and everything came back positive, including the goat, including the fruit, including used motor oil. <laughs> and that's true. This is, he was on his own TV station doing this. They're talking about this too. And uh, Burundi also kicked the WHO out, uh, the coronavirus team from the country, for interference in internal uh, matters. All these links on this, this are in this one article. And I'll put it up. And it's the article called World Bank Coronavirus Aid Comes with Conditions for Imposing Extreme Lockdown Reveals the Belarus President. A lot of good uh, links to other articles too. But of course, you're not allowed any other... It's, it's verboten to have any other opinion except that of the of the, the one... The, you know, the, the totalitarian regime is deciding who to, who's going to be able to say anything at all. And and all you're allowed to say is what they tell you you can say. This is your new freedom. And again, another one, another article too, as coronavirus deaths may may be less than half the official toll, as doctors wrongly mark certificates, says ex-World Health Organization chief. Well, no kidding. I won't bother reading this one because that's a vast understatement to the whole thing. Because it's... uh, Anybody who, who where you test positive or not after or after death <laughs> makes no difference. It doesn't matter if your heart literally blew itself up and was ready to pack in before you got the coronavirus. It makes no difference. They're using everything, including flu deaths, as COVID. We all know this. There's just too many articles out there and exposés on it. 
And of course, another YouTube too. I'll put it up if it's if you can still do it. It's been pulled from 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 YouTube, I should say, and, and other other areas. And it's just America's frontline doctors may be real doctors, but experts say they don't know what they're talking about. And the, the complete oh, this is incredible tyranny we're going through, where nobody's opinion, including those who are all qualified in their in their spheres and from medicine, are getting banned from saying anything. Uh, and these are people, they're dealing with patients. Huh? They're not the Faustians. I almost said the, Fa- the Faustians. <laughs> a Faustian pact, Fauci. But uh, the real doctors uh, are getting hammered just for speaking their mind and speaking what, what they've come up with and what they're noticing and so on. It's forbidden. Hmm? What a time to, to, to watch this happening. Tyranny to tell. Because... A whole new agenda, a whole new way of living is to get forced upon us. The complete global reset, a completely new way of living from birth to death. Huh? All hinges on this, this con. And they admit that in some of their articles. It all, uh, their whole agenda hinges on using COVID as the excuse. So I'll put this article up too. Another one too is... Here's your typical psychop. He, he, listen to this. As I mentioned, how they turn the different sections of society against each other. The ones who comply, the one, the ones who won't comply, right? And that's actually in their, in their suggestions with Sage how they could create different different groups and and use them like a mob against those who won't go along with the agenda. So here, here's what you see. listen to this: narcissists and psychopaths are more likely to refuse to wear masks in new research. Oh, well, we're always learning, eh? And it's, um, two recent studies looked at the relationship between personality traits and reactions to restrictions put in place to slow the spread of coronavirus-19. And researchers found that people possessing so-called called dark triad traits, oh, dark triad traits, narcissism, psychopathy, and Machiavellianism, were less likely to comply with restrictions or engage in preventative measures against the pandemic. Well, the folk who wrote this are psychopaths because the point of it is to turn folk against folk who won't go along with the nonsense. So yeah, these are the, the manipulative psychopaths, the ones that work with, uh, with uh, the, the prompt units, the prompting you all the time, nudging units, you see, the BIT units, the SAGE units, etc., that the government's employing, psychologists, etc. These are the psychopaths because they're getting paid to lie to you, to brutalize you. So this article itself, whoever really wrote it, is written by psychopaths and put it by psychopaths. There you go. <laughs> and believe you me, uh, that's the whole point of this article. It's by psychopaths to get you to comply. I love how they project what they're doing to you onto the folks that won't comply. Yeah. And um, so I'll put these articles up here. And then another article too, getting back to what's definitely going to come. And we all know it, right? You can't close down the planet and then, and then say, oh my, what, the starvation's going to happen. Well, who could have foreseen that if no one's allowed to move or work? Or even get money uh, and their money to buy the darn stuff, even if you could get it. Disorderly Brexit in Britain, still on about Brexit, right? And coronavirus threatened the UK's food security, members of parliament claimed. 
Right? So reports by a cross-party group of member parliament warned the government had cannot be complacent with the threat of possible future crisis triggered by climate change. So they pulled that one out of the bye again too. Or a disorderly end to the Brexit transition period which could impact on food supplies. The Commons Environment, Food and Rural Affairs Select Committee said despite the easing of the coronavirus lockdown, problems with food security are far from over, right? And millions of people have struggled to access food as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. Well, they're all locked down in Africa. They're locked down too. They can't get the darn food now. And yeah, there's folks who are starving, eh? There's food banks uh, all over the Western world dishing out what they can get to the public. And, and it's, it's doubling all the time, they say here, the numbers who are going to them. Russia has got until I was looking at an article recently in Russia, in parts of Russia, I've got food banks just working overtime, crazy. So here's the outcome of this big, this, this committee, this this, this 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 group of politicians that just got together. You see, it's therefore essential that the government appoints a new minister for food security a minister for food security, who will stop this issue falling between the cracks. Well, isn't that what the UN wants? Isn't that what the WEF wants, World Economic Forum? It's just astonishing. It's just coincidence, of course, see? It's just coincidence it all falls into the same organization, see? Yeah, there you go. Vaccine executives rake in $1 billion in stock sales as positive headlines boost shares. No kidding, eh? So with the race to find a vaccine COVID-19 in full effect, biotech executives and other insiders from at least 11 companies have uh, made hand over fist raking in of over $1 billion in stock sales after announcing positive developments. That's what they do. That's what they, what, what they do uh, for, what they, oh, we just tested this vaccine or that vaccine. And the reviews are just fantastic. That's what they'll say, you see. And that, that's a, a fast, a fast boom. You know, there's a name they actually have for it in investment. It says, in some cases, company insiders are profiting from regularly scheduled compensation or automatic stock trades. But in other situations, senior officials appear to be pouncing on opportunities to cash out while their stock prices are sky high. And some companies have awarded stock options to executives shortly before market moving announcements about their vaccine progress. Now it's from the New York Times. And it says, and maybe noted the insiders at Moderna uh, cashed out in some $30 million options while CEO Stefan Bansell has become a billionaire out of it. There you go. A company that hadn't sold in before. Or produced vaccines before, a billion, before they're even given out. The company's market value is now nearly $30 billion thanks to a stream of positive press releases. Well, insiders have sold around $248 million altogether since January. Most of it following an April announcement that the company had been selected to receive federal funding to support their efforts. There's fascism at work, folks. Business, big, big, big business working with big government. And it's interesting to see who's friendly with, too, Stefan Bansell. It's interesting to see who's big power at college was, too. And he gets the big, huge grants, eh? Another one, too, it says, The, the Times highlights another case, South Africa, is South San Francisco-based Vaxart, 
which was selected by the US government to participate in a federal initiative to quickly produce COVID-19 treatments known as Operation Warp Speed. So as soon as the government starts putting money into it, they sell shares, right? Vaxart shares soared. Company Insiders, who weeks earlier had received stock options worth a few million dollars, saw the value of those awards increase sixfold. And a hedge fund uh, that partly controlled the company walked away with more than $200 million in instant profits. Fascism, you see. Can't, you can't lose when the government's going to give them the big contract, you see. And everybody invests, oh, get, get rich quick. And says, Michael R. Caputo, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Assistant Secretary for Public Affairs, uh, said the agency has entered into funding agreements with certain vaccine manufacturers, and we are negotiating with others, but added, neither is the case with Vaxart. Vaxart's vaccine candidate was selected to participate in preliminary U.S. government studies to determine potential areas for possible Operation Warp Speed partnership and support. It says our CEO, Andre Fleury, who received stock options worth approximately $4.3 million in June and worth $28 million weeks later, defended his company, saying in a Friday statement, Vaxar abides by good corporate governance guidelines and policies making decisions and according with the best interests of the company and its shareholders. It's fascism. Of course it's fascism. Yeah. Would have $28 million if it wasn't for the the getting contracts and so on, and and millions thrown at them of taxpayer money. Mind you, when you really read the articles from years ago that Fauci was involved in too, with the big vaccine companies, uh, they they talked about the fact that if you get laws in the books that would mandate governments must uh, put out much more money uh, for vaccines, for future pandemics. The whole thing flopped before with with the 2009 uh, flu that came out. Folk didn't want it. The swine flu one. um, People in in New Zealand and other places got partial paralysis with some of it temporary. And and sleepy disease, as you call it. It was narcolepsy. And so everybody stopped taking the vaccine, so they had millions and millions of doses that the folk didn't want, so they had to dispose of them. But they want to mandate that you must take their vaccines. You say, well, this is real corporate fascism. You must take what they produce, regardless of, and 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 you have no say if it kills you. (laughs) Well, you won't if you're dead, right? But no one can get sued. No, 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 no way, no. No way, no way at all. Another article here, too, is, is interesting. It's abortion figures are a serious cause for concern, despite what BPAS says. Now, this ties in in a different way. It's not so much about the abortion issue here. This is about the Daily Telegraph's opinion piece, recent opinion. So the head of one of the UK's largest abortionists, this is someone who a big advocate at the top. All these big names that come in the newspaper who are advocate, advocate. They're really paid um, advocates, really highly paid advocates on behalf of what I read earlier, what Bertrand Russell said about how they're going to bring down populations and so on. Yeah. So the head of one of the UK's largest abortionists highlighted that more abortions happened in England and Wales in 2019 than ever before, right? And this is this is what's interesting to me. It ties in what I'm talking about with the bioethics 
and value of, of the patient's license. This is no cause for concern, says BPASCEO Anne Furidi, because we live in a society where women are making their own, the usual stuff they parallel. Uh, but here she says too, she goes on to say, abortion must be available in any civilized country that must all rally behind a woman's right to choose. Right? Now listen to the statement that she's said before, and the link is here, when she actually made it and so on. So she previously said that life only matters if it's wanted. And sees abortion as nothing more than backup contraception. And says that abortion procedure should be viewed as if it were a minor medical operation akin to removing a mole. So getting back to it, life only matters if it's wanted. Does that, this, isn't this tying into the much bigger movement on bioethics? Who should live and who should die? Not just with Babies now, or, or fetuses, as they want to call it, but, it, but then with elderly, and then with uh, well, list, well, you know, we, we better put in the, the medical uh, um, what's left of medicine to better use for better people, because you you might just die anyway. But then again, you might live. Here you go. See, this all ties into. I hope you understand. Everything is interconnected. Everything is interconnected here, not by chance. It's set up that way. Hmm? Life only matters if it's wanted. Are you essential? For yeah. lockdown or you go to work? No, you're not essential, no. Everything is interconnected. Don't forget that. So when I read these articles, it's not because they're, they're all this bad. No, no, they're interconnected. Deliberately so. <laughs> because that's that's the system they're living in. And it's all, it's, it's total warfare on the general population, on everybody. I don't care what gender you are. And there, um, offbeat article two was Catholic bishops fear Scotland's hate crime law. They've got a new hate crime law. Every country must get it, you see. Could criminalize the Bible and the catechism. And I'll put that one up as well. It's a hate crime and public order bill. Could lead to censorship of Catholic teaching. Well, I think the whole society has been under censorship for a long time. And with electronic media, it's really uh, on the warpath now, isn't it? Yeah. Another article, too, I mentioned before from The Guardian about Texas as well, uh, which I've said before from a different newspaper, Texas hospital forced to set up death panel as COVID-19 cases surge. Now, The Guardian is so left-wing, I'm sure it's not against much of what's going on. But... Uh, they mentioned Star County again, and the critical care guidelines decide which COVID-19 patients it will treat and which ones will be sent home because they're likely to, well, they're definitely going to die or most likely to die if they get sent home and not get treatment. So, so see how it's worded, eh? The ones will be sent home because they're, unli- they're likely to die because they're not going to treat them. And the excuse is given to alleviate the hospital's limited medical resources. Hmm. There you go. And again, I don't even put any credence in when they say confirmed cases. Confirmed cases are not illnesses. I hope you understand that. That's their trick. The, the more that they test, they'll come up positive and say, oh, so they're, they're, we've got more, thousands of more cases in that area. Well, they just gave an extra so many thousand more tests out. And but the tests that they're giving out anyway... Uh, they're pretty well guaranteed to get positive cases, but these are not illnesses. 
The tricks they're playing are disgusting. But again, it's because it's an ascent. This is a war they're at. That's war to change society into a whole new system. And you better accept the fact that those who do such things, whether using bullets, bombs, or massive force and terror on you campaigns, uh, it's all the same techniques, really, in the end, to get the effects done on the general public. Because they're at war with you. That's what it is. And another article, too, is this one here. Uh, <laughs> I, love, I love how they word it. As the world awaits yearly for a COVID-19 vaccine, several candidates are starting to put through their paces in clinical trials. More than 100 vaccine candidates are being developed by teams around the world, with more than 20 now in or about to enter clinical evaluation, meaning they are being tested in humans. Mm-hmm. So they've got two vaccine candidates in July 20, and they published preliminary results from a phase one and two trials showing they induced... Now, here's the, here's the trick again, folks. You understand this, because I've read articles over the years, many years, that always put out these, these, these promotions in, like, in the same way. The two trials showing they induced, like Rick promised, right? They induced an immune response and didn't trigger any major safety concerns. or major, right? marking a positive step forward, but there's still a way to go in, in, in inducing an immune response because it doesn't necessarily mean that the vaccine will actually protect people from COVID-19. <laughs> Do you understand this, the double speak here? So uh, the first part, it says, it, it showed they induced an immune response after the vaccine. That's generally always what happens. Now, with, with the, the Spanish flu one, right, and other flus that they've put out before by the flu vaccinations, and I've read the articles, I've still got them, from our own government agencies and health agencies, they've admitted that, yeah, you can get a good immune response from the, from the vaccine you know, when they test for antibodies. But when you hit the actual real virus in real life, after you get the vaccination, you get a massive cytokine storm response. And your lungs get fill, filled up with, with the response and you, you suffocate, you die. So the initial immune response is pointless, meaning to, to create a few antibodies. What you have to show too, another trick they've often done, they haven't tested for antibodies first that have been caused by, by natural immunity. Because most folk don't know they've had it. So there's a lot of tricks at work here. And as I say, when you get initial response, this is all to get big more money thrown at the, and to sell more stocks off. That's how these companies make their money, eh? Through terror and horror. Oh, we, a good rem- we, we showed that there was some uh, antibodies produced after the first dose, eh? But they don't tell you, because what they have to do next is, is int- put, like they would do animals, that's what they do. They eventually let the animal loose into a little containment where there's wild virus there, the actual virus. And you get an over a massive reaction, and um, a vaccine enhanced respiratory response, meaning it's going to kill you. <laughs> so you can't go with that. This is all to sell shares and reckon the billions. This is what it's for. This art. this is a typical. That's what these articles are for, folks. And this one goes through a, a bunch of companies that are doing the same kind of things with their positive responses to, apart from all the millions that get getting thrown by your tax money, but also, uh, it's a great it's a great business to be in, isn't it? Isn't it? 
for governments, if they can't sit, the governments are guaranteed to buy them anyway. Oh, fascism, fascism. And uh, another article, too, is to do with um, Al Gore. You know, I, I call him allegory because that's why he is. He's an allegory from many different things. But Al Gore, eh, the guy who came out with the big terrifying things and inconvenient truth, or was it spoof? Because definitely uh, his, whole, his whole big speech at that time, his big presentation was shot down by people who knew the facts and figures and statistics and all the rest of it. But that didn't matter, because his agenda was the same thing as is getting fulfilled right now with the global, the Great Reset and all that kind of stuff. Eh? Using the climate, that was the excuse then. And that's what they said at WEF, we'll, we'll manage to achieve all the things that we couldn't achieve because the public were ignoring the whole climate argument and, ter- and terror <laughs> that they were giving us for years. Eh? But they can do it through COVID. So Al Gore, Al Gore, I call him. Don't forget he was in business with, with Al Gore, was in business with, with blood for, for a carbon exchange system where they'd, they'd bump up the, 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 the price of carbon uh, and sell it. And the companies would trade it between each other and the rest of it. The, the, the big companies, too, in the, were given uh, so many free credits for carbon. Before they start to gamble, this is incredible what's been happening. And the public haven't got a clue to to get it kicked off. This whole carbon trading idea, which is the money making scheme for big international corporations, um, they gave the, the companies millions and millions of dollars each, uh, free to to try to start it, to start it off. And Al Gore, his company was he had the one I think it was in Chicago. He set up. And it was it was called and its partner was called Blood Blood and Gore was the name of the company. I'm not kidding you. This is amazing. This is stuff right off a movie, eh? <laughs> Blood and Gore. <laughs> and how they could make money off you from carbon, something that naturally exists in in, in the planet. We're carbon-based organisms. That's what humans are, and life in the planet here is. We're not silicon. That's in the sci-fi movies. We're carbon-based, right? And we need carbon, you know, the plants need carbon dioxide to to take in and, and to give it oxygen, for goodness sake. Conology is everywhere you look. And it's always to do with power and getting the majority of the public so brainwashed to give up all power to these, these cons, these con artists, who, who make, who get awfully rich off the scams. Incredibly rich, yeah. And the trade of a fictitious nothing, see? Oh, how much carbon credits you'll have got so many, just 10,000 tonnes. Where, where do you keep it? Well, I don't keep it anywhere. It's just on paper. But it's worth, you know, a few million bucks off the... You know, and, oh, this is absolute rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Ay, ay, ay. But I'll put these articles up, remember, too. And in that part, virus pandemic, the same, they're all running with the same articles. Eh? So Al Gore, by the way, right now, it says, um, it says Al Gore and a UN Secretary General is, and others are now demanding a great reset of global capitalism. These are truly dangerous times for those who support individual liberty and free markets, it says. Eh? No kidding, eh? 
So the WEF and Al Gore and, U- and the whole UN group and the Secretary General are all demanding a great reset. So those who own everything and who are the real capitalists at the top are going to talk about, about redistributing wealth amongst the peasant class. <laughs> but not from their own coffers, believe you me. No, we, we, we make uh, their lives comfortable by what they tax off of us. And uh, U.S. economic recovery from coronavirus pandemic will take some time, the Fed says, Fed's Evans says. No kidding, eh? And again, after the meeting hosted by the highly influential World Economic Forum earlier in June, powerful officials from non-profits, right? that's the big, big non-profit organizations, that are the armies for the, for the big foundations, eh? government, business and academia, labor unions, well, they're all for board, they're well paid off to the leaders of labor unions, oh my God. Eh? And activist groups announced their plans for a great reset of global capitalism. It's astonishing they don't ask the general population about their opinions. You have, you have so powerful officials from non-profits, government, business, academia, labor unions, and activist groups announced their plan for a great reset of global capitalism. Right? So they acknowledge that it's only been made possible because of the opportunity provided by the economic destruction caused by the novel coronavirus. <laughs> this is it, folks. Uh-huh. And of course, Prince Charles is there, the guy who literally was a dunce at school. And they call him a dunce. I mean, his, his teachers called him a dunce. He's not bright, you know. And he hasn't got any, any wiser with the age either. But anyway, he's on board with it all, mainly because his father is a eugenicist who talked about the need to, to really reduce the world's population in big world meetings he attended. His father was in head of the different uh, wildlife organizations and the World Wildlife Fund and and um, and, and different groups like that. Yeah. But he's quite open about it, the big meetings. There's just too many people. And sometimes he says, you know, people like we, he says, we, we, we have uh, big estates and... Uh, and we know that when a certain species takes over, too many deer or whatever, you, you need a good cull, he says, you know. And so different people. So Charlie there, who doesn't have the brains for it, but he still can parrot his, uh, his, his daddy, I should say, you know, his daddy, Prince Philip. And, uh, and here you go. These are the, big, these are the characters who are announcing the, the great reset of distributing wealth across the planet. As they talk about austerity, Huh? Double speak, double speak, double speak. Eh? So Antonio Guterres again, the Secretary General of the United Nations. He was also a Maoist, a communist, and uh, uh, Mastercard were there. CEO of Mastercard. Uh, I mentioned before all the top oil company guys are there. Bernard Looney, CEO of British Petroleum, and Gina Gopinath, Chief Economist at International Monetary Fund amongst many others. All the, the important folk, you know. Yeah. It's to give you more fairness and, and promote greater equality within societies and among nations. Oh, can you believe this? Pigsville. That's what it's Pigsville. No doubt about it. They want, the, 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 top, the top evil folk on the planet want to... To make it more more equal for everybody, you know, equal poverty. That's what they and I really mean that. This is what they they're, they're after. Total austerity for you all. And they've pretty well eradicated much of the middle classes. 
which they always wanted to do. Another article I just want to mention here, I've had it for quite a while, but I haven't touched on it in any depth, was was, um, this one to do with comparing countries. They always hit different countries, or, or corporations in your country will hit out at other countries, you know. And it says, In contrasting China and America, pundits often cite our free and independent media as one of our greatest strengths. And that's true, even through all this nonsense of of being censored. eh? Together with the tremendous importance which our society places upon individual American lives. Well, it used to. For us, a single wrongful death can sometimes provoke weeks of massive media coverage and galvanize the nation into corrective action, while life remains cheap in China. This is, this is what we're always told. A far poorer land of over a billion people ruled by a ruthless communist party eager to bury its mistakes. But an examination of two of the greatest public health scandals for the last few years casts serious doubt on this widespread belief. And they give examples of it. First, consider the details of the Chinese infant formula scandal of 2008. Unscrupulous businessmen in China had discovered that they could save money by greatly diluting their milk products, then adding a plastic chemical compound called melamine to raise the apparent protein content back to normal levels. I did articles at the time on that. And some of the biggest well-known names actually in the West were other companies over there doing this. And they'd paid scientists to look at this, uh, the, the, the actual chemical makeup of melamine in, in order for them to come to the preferred conclusion, I would say, uh, that it's, it's, it, it, could, it could almost be classed as a protein. See? Now, melamine is what they make their plastic countertops out of. That's what they are, melamine. So when you powder it, you see, well, I mean, could that be a bit similar to maybe some kind of protein? In, uh, well, I don't know, says a scientist in the, in the money exchanges. Well, I, I, I don't quite know. More money's dished out. Well, it's, it's beginning to look like it might be in a bit in our pile of money. goes in. Yeah, I'll, I'll put my name on that. That's a protein. So they started uh, uh, raise the, the, the protein uh, back to normal levels. That's what it, apparently it would give them if it added to milk after taking the proteins out. Nearly 300,000 babies throughout China had suffered urinary problems, with many hundreds requiring lengthy hospitalizations for kidney stones. Uh, some died, six died, it says. Here's a lot more than six, and a lot more after it died a kidney. Uh, the, the kidneys just packed in. A wave of popular outrage swept past the controlled media roadblocks and initial government excuses and soon put enormous pressure on Chinese officials to take forceful action against the wrongdoers. So says China's leaders may not be democratically elected, but they pay close attention to strong popular sentiment. So that it's true in China, they get into action. Uh, they, they will do it, so, and they will throw people to the wolves. And it launched a national police investigation, led to a series of arrests and uncovered evidence that this widespread system of food adulteration had been protected by bribe-taking government officials. A lot of them got long prison sentences, and, uh, and some of them were actually uh, executed for it. That's what they did in China, yeah. This is indeed the former head of the Chinese Food and Drug Administration had been executed for corruption in late 2007 under similar circumstances. 
Throughout these events, American media coverage was extensive with numerous front-page stories in leading newspapers, and journalists discovered that similar methods of dangerous chemical adulteration had been used to produce Chinese pet food for export. And that's, that was in the papers, remember, too. A lot of uh, dogs and cats in, in the West, uh, their kidneys again packed in, eh, from the food. And there were warnings in all the papers not to, not to buy it. I remember doing the talks, you know. And uh, it says, however, the American media reaction had been quite different during an earlier health scandal much closer to home. This is one example, as many to choose from. September 2004, Merck, one of the America's largest pharmaceutical companies, suddenly announced that it was voluntarily recalling Vioxx. It was V-I-O-X-X. This popular anti-pain medication used to treat arthritis-related ailments. It wasn't actually anti-pain, uh, yet you get less pain if you reduce that inflammation, and it was supposed to reduce inflammation. This abrupt recall came just days after Merck discovered that a top medical journal was about to publish a massive study by the FDA investigator indicating that the drug in question greatly increased the risk of fatal heart attacks and strokes and had probably been responsible for at least 55,000 American deaths during the five years it had been on the market. This happens all the time, by the way, with, with medications. And it says, within weeks of the recall, journalists discovered that Merck had found strong evidence of the potential fatal side effects of the drug even before its initial 1999 introduction into the market. So they knew what it was going to do. But I ignored these, these worrisome indicators and avoided additional testing while suppressing the concerns of its own scientists. Boosted by a television advertising budget averaging, averaging $100 million per year, Vioxx soon became one of Merck's most lucrative products, generating over $2 billion in yearly revenue. It also secretly goes through in dozens. This is a big, normal thing, unfortunately, in the write-ups for medications. They secretly goes through in dozens of the published research studies emphasizing the beneficial aspects of the drug and encouraging doctors to weekly, uh, widely prescribe it. So the, I remember they the have done some exposés on people who write these wonderful write-ups for the, for the companies and, and uh, they keep their identity hidden in the dark and so on, some of the big, the big mainstream television shows of years ago. But they do it all the time. Right? Whatever you want, they'll write it for you and sign it. So anyway, it says, so thus transforming the science into marketing support, 25 million Americans were eventually prescribed Vioxx as an aspirin substitute uh, thought to produce fewer complications. Although the Vioxx scandal did generate several days of newspaper headlines and intermittently returned to the front pages as a resulting lawsuits gradually moved through the judicial system, the coverage still seemed scanty relative to the number of estimated fatalities which matched American total losses in the Vietnam War. In fact, the media coverage often seemed considerably less than later recorded to the Chinese infant food scandal, which had caused just a handful of deaths on the other side of the world. The circumstances of the death were exceptionally egregious, with many tens of thousands of American deaths uh, due to the sale of a highly lucrative but sometimes fatal drug. This animal effects have long been known to its manufacture, but there's no sign that criminal charges were ever considered in the West. Eh? Now, they executed them in China for what, for what they did to the milk. 
a massive class actions lawsuit dragged its way through the courts for years, eventually being settled for $4.85 billion in 2007, with almost half the money going to the trial lawyers. Merck shareholders also paid large sums to settle various other lawsuits and government penalties and cover the heavy legal costs of fighting all of these cases, but the loss of continuing Vioxx sales represented the greatest financial penalty of all, which provides, uh, provides a disturbing insight into cost-benefit circulations or calculations behind the company. And then they did the studies that once they stopped it, that's when they got their numbers of many folk would have been were killed because suddenly the death rate was this plummeted the annual death rate plummeted over the next few years and this this article continues to go into all of that too what happened it's, it's just astonishing what happened really and um this is in the usa today uh, in addition 2005 it says it was typical it remarks the largest drop in annual death rates in at least 60 years during that one year, American deaths had fallen by 50,000 despite the growth in both the size and age of the national population. And the health experts recorded as being greatly surprised and scratching their heads over the strange anomaly, which was led by a sharp drop in fatal heart attacks. And they, then they oh, started to realize that this, this drug had killed way more than they ever thought. Over, and, and again, it got just tacked into the death rate and, and, and gave you an exaggerated death rate, as, and then it became normal. I can remember, too, when years and years ago, you would see children uh, going about in uh, electronic wheelchairs and so on without arms and legs. And that was, that was the thalidomide scandal, where they, they prescribed a particular drug uh, to women who who were pregnant, and they, their, their children were born literally missing arms and legs. And my good, all these incredible scandals that they, they try to hush up and go to, and again, millions and billions out there, they propagandize their companies again, get them back into the good books. And, and these are the same companies, all these big companies that are, that are, are getting all the contracts for vaccinations. They're, they're not even trialing them out on, on their usual uh, test subjects for years. And then, no, they want you to, to get the whole planet to, to come on here. Come on. Come on here. And they all have glowing reports, too. As I say, they, they pay all these uh, wonderful um, people to, to rubber stamp things for them and give them glowing write-ups. This is wonderful. Everything is so corrupt, folks. I don't care what, they, what expert they mention for any particular thing. I don't trust them because we're living in an awfully corrupt society. China does have a, a, a tremendous cultural corruption problem where Chinese they haven't got the religious things that, that even that we've lost too, but they never went through a phase there of feeling the guilt. for. It. No, they, they, they came a bit more direct to try and get what they want. And so they have that kind of. So, because of that, they have executions and so on. It's a way to, way to keep them in check. But in the West, we, we don't even arrest the folk that kill folk here through drugs and all the rest of it, and scams and lies and cheating. Who got arrested with the 2008 bank crashes? How many folk lost their homes and ended up in the big tent cities? Remember that one? I don't think anybody did. They willingly, 
did the incredible scams with the, the whole mortgage system of America and other countries too. Canada had to get bailed out too by the Federal Reserve. Mm-mm-mm. Flipping, flipping, flipping. You know, the big banks were literally taking hundreds of mortgages a day and flipping them all as though it was cash. And it got so bad at the end, they said it would take years to find out who originally owned, really owns, legally owns these houses today. Millions of them. It's a free-for-all. Greed. Anyway, I'll put these articles up, remember, for those who want to, to read them. Another thing, too, I've mentioned before, how you always hire for, for, for the, the real anarchists, for instance, as opposed to the, to the communists, the true communists. There's always a bit of both. I've got a crossover there. But um, it is amazing to watch the same techniques using the same types of groups with the same mentalities to do specific parts of the revolution, you see, on behalf of those at the top. I haven't heard any of them demanding that, that, uh, that the World Economic Forum have, should be abolished, for instance. Why not? If you're truly an, a, a, a radical anarchist and communist, or communist and or communist, because you can be both, why aren't they demanding the, the, the total takedown of the richest folk on the planet that own everything that we need to survive? They're not doing it. They're burning down mom-and-pop stores and so on. And restaurants and things. Doesn't that seem a bit suspicious? Uh, anyway, as I said, they always end up uh, uh, recruiting the, the, what they call the nihilists and the atheists, the ones that are on the fringes, you know, the most militant types. Some of them with records, actually. Uh, and that's encouraged. And this article here is uh, Antifa militant is arrested for stabbing a black Trump supporter in the city of Portland. And it says, um, Antifa militant and convicted paedophile in the record, Blake David Hamp, was arrested in the early hours of Saturday following his alleged stabbing of a black Trump supporter. The Trump supporter and conservative, who goes by the name Black Rebel on social media, posted several updates to his condition from the ambulance in the hospital. And the Periscope live stream, I guess, some social media thing. He alleged that Hamp had stalked him and his group of friends for several blocks in Portland before stabbing him. So this was premeditated. You know, the guy didn't, it wasn't a spontaneous thing. The guy literally followed him. Says, and to, to stab him, hopefully probably he was trying to kill him. You know? So Black Rebel stated that, that Antifa Milton's doxed his identity and posted his location on social media and advised each other to watch out for him. And then the guy who was stabbed says, The knife was long enough. He stabbed me to kill me, said Black Rebel, who says he spotted Hamp, who was part of a group of Antifa following his group of friends for several blocks before he approached Hamp to ask why he was following them. We're all there, out there, four friends, trying to keep each other safe in the best possible way. I figured I'd try to de-escalate and just have a conversation. He said, I went over there, said, What's up, buddy? And that... Uh, they, I remember where they get all, I guess it was Hollywood that came out with all the mother, mother, you know what. Um, so he, he, he went round and shanked me in the, in the kidney, it says. Knifed him in the kidney. 
And the footage of Hamp's arrest was captured by several photo journalists, including Garrison Davis, who posted video of the Portland Police Bureau taking him into custody. It's, it's quite something, isn't it? Eh? It says, well, police responded to the alleged stabbing. Uh, a BLM, riot, uh, BLM rioters yelled at responding officers following him to his vehicle. They proceeded to kick it after the door closed. So further investigation, he said Denny revealed that he was previously indicted on charge of knowingly possessing child pornography in 2007 by the U.S. District Court in Maine. And uh, in his before, in 2007 arrest as well, he, he, he the police had found uh, in his vehicle merchandise for children, including sleeping bags, children's clothes, underwear, uh, towels, and superhero prints, and trading cards, and so on, condoms, lubricant, camera, cell phone, and a laptop. He actually incriminated himself during that search back then and stated that he was kicked out of his uncle's home on account of a discovery of child pornography and he'd also stored the illicit material on his mother's home computer. So, you know, there's all kinds out there and some that are beyond radical. There's other things wrong as well. And uh, the folk don't know. They're dangerous folk out there right now. But it's all, they're all being allowed to do what they're doing. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Uh, um, when you have mayors and all that from different cities all on board with them and still calling it protests, it's, a, it's disgusting as happening. It's astonishing, eh? Mm-mm. But the elite want this because, as I say, out of, out of the chaos will become a new system of fairness and equality to, for the world, says the multi-billionaires and trillionaires. And that, yeah, they're multi-trillionaires, a lot of them. Uh, the WEF, right? Yeah, there you go. Now, this is an inser- interesting article, too, right? Eh? And it says, um, how, you, how you, you get your thoughts just given to you if, you, if you're not aware of that. Uh, you, you should have thoughts of your own. They should be your own thoughts, eh? Your DNA is not your destiny, eh? And it's called Beyond Human. How technology is augmenting human abilities, and uh, it says your DNA is not your destiny is now playing. So these are links for for uh, things that are coming. It's from the BBC, by the way. And BBC is tremendous for for what you think is it's a government-run institution that would appear to be socialistic to the general public, but it's really working on behalf of the ultra elite. It always has been. So your DNA is not your destiny. And is this a new phase in human evolution, it says? And, and another one, another video here. So there's a bunch of videos there. And uh, they try to convince you of, of, you know, it might not be too bad to tamper with your DNA and so on. And isn't that right along the, the, the path of this, this particular RNA-type vaccine they want to give you that will change your, your the makeup? It's going to alter permanently uh the epithelial tissues in your body and your lungs. Eh? And every offspring you can have for, for every generation will also be the same way from then on. You can't go back. Sounds wonderful, eh? Doesn't it? Hmm? Isn't it wonderful? Another thing, too, I mentioned, I think I don't know if I mentioned it last week or if it came in late, but uh, it was, a, it was a, actually a Ontario Super Court, Court of Justice plaintiff put out this this order against uh, Trudeau 
Prime Minister of Canada, Dr. Theresa Tam, Chief Medical Officer, uh, Mark Garneau, Canadian Transport Minister, Doug Ford, Premier of Ontario, a whole list of people, basically, on, on doing away. Uh, it's a legal proceeding has been commenced against you by the plaintiff. And uh, it's really for basically uh, closing down the economy and everything else that's happened in every other country, same kind of thing. Uh, and bring in a, a kind of martial law type scenario instead of sticking to, to, to democracy. I think that's basically what it's about. It's quite a long plaint, I don't know what you call it here. Charge, I guess you call it. And that's all I think. It's a long, long one indeed. But again, all these legal things are way too long. That's what's wrong with them, apparently. There's too many lawyers making up the, the stuff, and it should be straightforward, like it was in the old Viking days, I think. You had your Uppsala, and then you had your, your different uh, statements made by representatives of the clans or the chiefs and so on. And you didn't have all these lawyers coming out with points and this and points on that that would drag it on for months. But so I think it's 191 pages here, according to this thing here. It's got the statement of the claims and and how they must respond in, within 20 days, etc. I don't know what else is happening from it. Uh, so there you go. We'll see how it turns out. Um, what's interesting again, eh? So much is interesting as you watch. You're, you're living through history, I keep saying this. And folk don't really realize that you're truly living through amazing histories. Um, and you, can, you look back if you can live long enough and, and if you don't starve to death. But um, you look back and you, you, you'll say, yeah, I remember all that well and, and what they did to make it all happen. And and how they, they unleashed the nihilists and the atheists during a pandemic uh, to augment the terror, etc. Yeah? And the confusion that would be in, within the public, the general public. And, and you'd hold back the police to, to the extent as well in response to it and, and give the impression that it's a, truly, a, true, a true revolution. But as I say, if it's a true revolution, why don't they go after the World Economic Forum? Why don't they go after the, 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 the Bank for International Settlements and, and uh, the World Bank huh? and the International Monetary Fund that literally runs your country with a, an iron fist when it comes in to get, to get the payments back? They slash all your social programs, the IMF. doesn't matter who dies in the process. But you don't see that, do you? So convicted terrorists is funding Marx's Black Lives Matter. And that was from July 27. you probably heard it already, but uh, this is one of the leading fundraisers for the Black Lives Matter movement. It's a radical communist terrorist who was convicted in 1985 and sentenced to 58 years in prison. Uh, retired NYPD Commissioner Bernard Kerrick recently asserted in a powerful interview with a local San Diego-based news outlet. Uh, says Susan Rosenberg, who's a vice chair of Thousand Currents, it's called a radical left-wing 501c3 charity, <laughs> tax-free, uh, that fundraises for and sponsors a variety of leftist causes, including Black Lives Matter movement, was formally convicted of possessing hundreds of pounds of explosives, according to KUSI, K-U-S-I, San Diego-based uh, local news outlet. Organizations with which Rosenberg was involved in the 1970s and 80s 
which included the radical May 19th communist organization Black Liberation Army and the infamous Weather Underground were also involved in multiple robberies, police officer assassinations and bombings. After serving 16 years in federal prison, Rosenberg's sentence was commuted January 20, 2001 by President Bill Clinton on his last day in office. Interesting, too, that Hillary uh, constantly praised um, the Weather Underground. And uh, it's, it's named to you, the Weather Underground, eh? And even had lectures by uh, the heads of it, she said, as a student, in fact. So says, following her, her commutation, Rosenberg served as a communications director for the American Jewish World Service and later become, became a professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, which is part of the city under University of New York. <laughs> and in 2020, she became involved with Thousand Currents and began assisting the Black Lives Matter movement with fundraising. It's just, you know... Do you realize how many millions all these big corporations I mentioned last week, each corporation, all the biggies, all the Walmarts, all of them and all the big tech are just throwing money out there. And so this is going through this woman's hands and she's a convicted terrorist. Eh? I tell you. <laughs> Just amazing. But again, you read this and it's so Orwellian. Eh? And this is what... Um, Carrick, this, this NYPD guy, says, he says, the problem I have with this is nobody's really paying attention to the organization Black Lives Matter in a much broader and bigger picture, you know, he explained in an interview. So you have a terrorist, a convicted terrorist, somebody that wanted the overthrow of the United States government, somebody that was anti-capitalism, anti-American, back in the 60s, 70s, and the early 80s. She's now working for Black Lives Matter, uh, managing the funding and so on. But it's all getting flown in from all the different sources by the millions. And this woman supposedly was anti-capitalist. Well, how come all the top capitalists are funding it? That doesn't folk, don't folk figure this out. Don't they get it? <laughs> I tell you. And, but that goes on about how the the BLM, and of course the two heads that came out, and everybody knows it too, and spoke about it, and it's up there in video, would actually admit they're communist, well basically they're, they're trained um, Marxist organizers. They're trained in communism. Yeah. In Marxism. But yeah, yeah, the top capitalists, this is their revolution, the, the, the top capitalist revolution, to get into the next phase, you know, the fourth industrial revolution, as we want to call it, into the new system of the global reset and beyond. Yeah. Another article, to coronavirus vaccine, UK signs deal with GlaxoSmithKline for early access to 60 million doses. Mm. There you go. If the vaccine candidate is proven effective in human studies, the UK could be able to vaccinate priority groups, such as frontline health and social care workers and the vulnerable. Well, it, it might be safer not to be included in the, in the vulnerable right now, to be honest with you. I don't really mean that too. Yeah. As I say, unless you, unless you, you, you hit the, the test subjects with the live virus, maybe a week or two after they've had the vaccination, Natural wild virus. I don't care if they're showing antibodies from the virus. 
when they, I want you to see, I want you to see the test. And uh, like I said last week too, one of the top people who just left one of these big organizations said that he wouldn't take it until he saw that the total tests. When they, when you hit them with the real wild virus, well, you're going to get a cytokine storm reaction, overreaction to it, which kills them. That often happens, you see. So they give you the rah-rah stories of how wonderful these vaccines are. It might we got four or five, you know, antibodies in somebody's blood there, you know, maybe in a what's well, an awful lot for <laughs> a few cc's. And they praise it to the highest heavens, eh? So I'll put that up there too. Also, I want to put up. Uh, Getting back where I mentioned before, the inventor, right? this is about the inventor of the tests, the swab tests and so on, right? and um, they're putting out there all the time. It says the COVID-19 PCR tests are scientifically meaningless. Though the whole world relies on RT-PCR to diagnose SARS-CoV-2 infection. The science is clear, they're not fit for the purpose. Well, just facts don't matter. And um, they're, they're meaningless as a diagnostic tool. They're meant to be used in a lab for other reasons. Eh? It says it's well known that religious uh, religions are about faith and not about scientific facts. Talking about this total belief in testing that's getting pushed out there. And as Walter Lippmann, the two-time Pulitzer Prize winner and perhaps the most influential journalist in the 20th century, said... We all think alike, then no one thinks very much. It's true enough, you, you'll take the opinions that are dished out for you, and then you all think alike. So they got on to talk about Kerry Mullis, the inventor of the polymerase chain reaction PCR technology, did not think alike. His invention got him the Nobel Prize in Chemistry in 1993. He died um, last year, age of 74. But there's no doubt that the biochemists regarded the PCR as inappropriate to detect a viral infection. That's the one they're still using, eh? Everywhere. To diagnose folk. Well, you're positive, or you're negative, eh? So that's, this is the inventor, eh? Mullis. He says the reason that the intended use of the PCR was, and still is, is to apply it as a manufacturing technique, being able to replicate DNA sequences millions and billions of times, and not as a diagnostic tool to detect viruses. Facts don't matter, though. But the guy did have massive arguments about it before he died, because we've been using that before to try to detect viruses and so on. It's not a diagnostic tool. And don't forget, it's like coronaviruses, you know, a cold, a cold, a flu. There's many other coronaviruses out there too. And again, most of them will go through. You won't even know you've had them as well. They've always been there. Don't think suddenly you got you got this 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 big fearful thing you got right now uh, is brand brand spanking new, you know, or your body's reaction to it. Most folk don't know they've had it. Oh, 10,000 more folk have, more cases, I'll say cases have tested positive. No, no, you're not a case, you're, you're not ill. It's all in the wording, eh? And the way they push it across. Also, when I put up some stuff that's been pulled already, I try and put up uh, the one that was Dr. Stella Emanuel versus Dr. Fauci. And uh, it was already pulled from YouTube, but it was sent to me. But I'll see if we've got, we've got it elsewhere at um, 
Ibri TV. Geek for Truth, it says here. And it's, it's true that there's a lot of folk trying to put things right back up again somewhere before they're completely lost down in the memory hole, George Orwell's memory hole. And, uh, and it's happening at a tremendous rate now. Anything that, that, anything that, that, that uh, contradicts the official dogma, the holy dogma by the cabal at the top, uh, they're, they're, they're hammering professionals that have more qualifications than often the ones at the top have got. Eh? But I'll put the, the article up. This is a five-minute clip of the angry Houston woman doctor who also is black, comes from Nigeria, whose speech will change America, says the most important non-political speech ever made by a doctor to save lives at a time of a pandemic. She and her staff used the, uh, the hydroxychloroquine cocktail as a prophylactic in addition to treating 350 COVID sick, high-risk patients who had diabetes, asthma, who were obese, who were elderly, oldest patient was 92 and so on. Her patients all got better and her staff did not get COVID. Got sick, you know, didn't get sick. But it doesn't matter, you see, because you must take the vaccine. This is the whole point of all. Fauci said at the beginning, before, before supposedly we knew anything about the vaccine, he says, oh, we're going to be, you'll be locked down right through in the next year until we get a vaccine. He said that right off the bat. This is all prearranged. But you find that from the old um, World Health Organization agendas on tests, like having uh, pandemic tests, which they ran. Uh, we're going through a test. Even Pompeo said that. He says, this is a live test. Why would he say this is a live test? Until you look at the 2005 report from the World Health Organization where they laid it all on the line, the format they would take. And we're following it to the letter. Including squashing all contradictory uh, information. Regardless of how valid it was. But everything's safe these days. You know, everything's very safe to take. Four Ukrainian army servicemen die in COVID-19 vaccine trial. If that was in the West, it'd be somewhere mildly sick. You know, but four died, you know. I don't know how many of got sick. It says, and this is from the, the LPR People's Mil- uh, Militia Press Service, the military press service. It says, the uh, total of 15 volunteers exposed to the vaccine and medication Produced by American virologists in the, the Kharkov region. It says eight of the volunteers were soon transferred to intensive care units. These are young guys, eh? And three were put on ventilators. It says the IC unit could not treat them adequately as the components of the vaccine were not known to them. As a result, five patients, uh, four of them from the Ukrainian Army service members, died. The World Health Organization announced COVID-19 a pandemic caused by novel coronavirus. The first cases were reported in China late 2019. And it was on LPR went on to high alert and introduced lockdown measures, changing the mode of operation of government bodies, industrial companies, organizations, and transport. Our majority of restrictions have now been eased by now uh, as the epidemiological situation improved. Well, hopefully they won't test and kill more folk. It's it's quite interesting what's going on in the world, isn't it, though? Yeah, isn't it really? Again, back to South Africa, as I mentioned already, uh, some of these countries, and I have to be honest about a lot of the countries, they're the same across the world. It just is more money to get robbed from the public in the Western worlds before we get into a really dire strait. 
But in South Africa, uh, the general population don't have much to steal from anyway. But the, the corruption is rampant in Africa. And South Africa is no different. It's rampant all through the, the, the structure of society. And um, well, you've got nothing to start with, then you, you're the first ones to suffer when you get something like a pandemic or even the controls of the pandemic where they can't get food. And there's one article I've got here, Gutang's Waterworks Community. It's a company, it's, it's not a company, it's a community that's set up. And it's tin shacks, really. It says that uh, the residents starved to death, one of the residents there, because they couldn't get uh, any food parcels. We have gotten some parts of, of Africa. Uh, a lot of the people will, will move to wherever money is coming in, or, or, or either work or money or aid or whatever, they'll move. Anybody would. If you had the same situation, the way you'd do the same thing. And um, so South Africa has its restrictions on people coming in because they can't cope with, with often the, feeding the bulk of the population themselves in certain areas or communities. So... Uh, Unless, unless they've got the proper ID for South Africa, for that region, that area, they won't get food parcel or aid, so they, they starve to death. And um, it says, according to residents, uh, Tabiso Mokeli, who has allegedly died from starvation, was not the first Lesotho national to be a dire end in waterworks near Lenesia during the lockdown. His death came as the community battles poverty, hunger and unemployment. And so mentions that some of the friends that he had in the area um, said he was distraught, and they tried to, to share what they could with, with the, the guy, right food-wise. But voices spared that his efforts had not been enough to keep his friend alive. Eh? Um, so the community began with about 800 households. I think were additional land out at one point in Fort Florida. And over the past few years, the community has grown significantly as people to advantage of the EFF-sanctioned gland grabs that have plagued the south of Johannesburg. Life is unbearable, things are control. And it says, this is how bad it is. When the train services resume, even the train services, you know, that's when it stops, no train will be able to travel because the cables are stolen daily. Cables. Now they have started to dig even the underground cables because they have removed almost all the overhead cables uh, Fuzuzike uh, Muvandla says, community leader said. So, so the guy who wrote the report for the paper says he came face to face with the theft and vandalism as he left the area. Five men were waist deep in holes dug along the train line leading to Western area. They were digging up rail cables. The men looked very relaxed despite their legal actions. It wasn't clear whether they were also from the area or from neighboring Lenesia and Soweto. So, yeah, they're. Just the overhead cables had been completely removed and replaced with illegally connected bare wires. Mm-mm-mm. That's what you get when you get to that kind of situation. And, and the community uses paraffin, and if you can find wood for cooking, it says, but many have nothing to eat. And even for those who've got the ID so they can qualify for food parcels, so they don't know what a food parcel looks like, they're not getting them. The corruption is just horrific, I'm sure, you know. And, and I know that uh, different parts of Africa, the, the, this, this endemic, the corruption, unfortunately. It used to be at one point, you could, if you went to Africa and different parts of Africa, 
you would take things that, that for, for checkpoints, you had to bribe your way through to get through to, from one little country to the next one at times. And you would take, uh, you could buy a whole bunch of cheap watches and things that would be sold in uh, like street stalls and things like that, cheapos. Uh, and things that they'd, they'd want for, for, for tokens, for bribes, for, for the customs guys, so you get into the country, I don't let you in. And that was just the, the natural way that it was years ago. I don't know if it's changed now, I don't think so, but that's just the way it is. It's, uh, you won't know what corruption is until you, you live in a country. In parts of Mexico, it's the same kind of thing, where the police will stop you. And uh, it's not because you've done anything wrong. They just wait for you to to give them a little a couple of bucks and 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 continue on your way. That's it. It's like an agreement. It's a that everybody understands, and that's how you get through. You know? you, in the West, we're we're <laughs> we've had a different culture, an evolution of culture. So you, people just don't quite grasp how bad it is in other a lot of other countries. Eh? But I'll come here if you have enough uh, poverty, and uh, you'll see the crime uh, escalate and so on. One of the articles I was reading from Russia to do with uh, the, the folk getting so ticked off with um, all, all the aid that was promised to Russians, but they've been closed down by Putin, uh, and uh, the, all the families never complaining. But there's, there's guys in the, in the article who, who literally um, say that they'll have to just have to steal for food, wouldn't you? He says, you know. And that's what you'll be, you're going to face with these things in the West too, as this continues, because you go through the chaos, order out of chaos. You must create the mass of chaos so the public will, will think it's all real and, and the, the, the conditions imposed upon them with all of, of what they're told they must follow to survive uh, will we'll go through. It's order of chaos, out of chaos. Always the same technique that's used. The sky is falling, eh? Now, I want to mention again, going to CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, buy books or discs that are listed there for sale, or donate to me, because I certainly do need it. I've got a whole bunch of sites to keep up, and uh, it costs me money too. And I've got uh, satellite internet to pay for, which is a ridiculous price for what I get, including the slow speed as well, and things like that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I've got... payments and high telephone bills and things like that. So it helps me tick along here if you can uh, send bucks my way. It's really important because uh, the folk who really understand what's happening are dying off. Other ones have come up and and are are placing them. Some really don't know the whole score. Some are in it for the wrong reasons. It's a shame too. And uh, because really it should be a cause. This was a cause, you see. What I'm doing, it's a real, real cause. It's not because I'm getting paid to tell you who to vote for. I don't believe in the political system. It's totally corrupt too. And everybody in America knows damn well uh, that in the last election, and I said it at the time, I said, Americans don't have anybody to vote for in, in either party because you've got one system of the same folk and the neocons, etc., running the whole show. So what I came out with was a cause because long before that I, I realized it's time the public knew that big international organizations are running the world. And folk didn't know it. The old patriot movement didn't talk so much about it. They were concentrating mainly on what was happening with Bill this and Bill that within the U.S. itself. 
And I thought, it's, it's time to fill in all the blanks for them. And that's what I did, you know. But it's a cause. And uh, if I was to promote a party, I would I'll guarantee I'd be getting paid for it. Because they are. The ones that are promoting that are getting paid for it, folks. And uh, it's the, the same characters who, who have run the last few different um, houses of government, put it that way, who want the wars and... And you're not supposed to notice them very often, you know. But it's the same groups, courses, the same agenda. And um, no, I wouldn't lie to the people. We're, we're living through a, a, an old plan. Anybody who's anybody who's bought and paid for, uh, before you even hear their names generally in politics, as I say, quickly said it in the 1960s, for goodness sake, that every president for the last 60 years, I think you said, or 80 years, has been a member of our organization, a very secretive organization. It's in his own book. Check out for yourself. So that's the way it's been, you see. It doesn't matter what party they are, the top ones are members of the organization. It's, it's the, 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 the dialectic. You've got one group running both sides of everything. It's rather evident. And they all continue with the same agendas. It doesn't matter when they change houses. And one group goes out and another group comes in. It doesn't matter. They still sign the same agreements of integration with the World Health Organization and the United Nations and, and NAFTA and the, U, U, and, uh, the USMC, Mexico-Canada. It's the same thing as NAFTA. And uh, don't forget that the whole idea of that NAFTA deal was to unify the whole of the Americas eventually under one system. Hasn't changed. So you'll, you'll, you'll get literally ministers or politicians appointed as chiefs over food for the WEF, for the world, uh, any kind of industry that's left for the whole world, you know. All appointees, of course, new, new positions. And right down to food distributors in your areas as they keep this thing going. Because they don't plan to ever really, really uh, unleash the, the system back into any semblance of norm. Again, Fauci said at the beginning, before they supposed to have the data on the, this COVID, he said that life would never be the same again. Oh no, it's never going to be the same again, he said. How would he know that? Well, he's part of the whole agenda, folks. <laughs> that part he does know. He knows what the agenda is and his role in it is to courses. So yeah, buy the books and discs, cutting com or donate to me. Because uh, the da- donations are really, really necessary and welcome as we, we, we go through some of the worst parts of this war. It's a war. It's a total outright war on the public and massive psychological war, massive threats and coercion coming out now and uh, incredible censorship, incredible in so-called democratic societies. <laughs> I think we can toss that old farce out the window too of democracy, can't we? And being told plainly you're essential or you're non-essential, and the hospitals have already planned through their their different um, agreements from bioethics committees, like the Rockefellers, of who to treat and not to treat, depending on your value or necessity to society. I was giving this talks long before COVID came along. This would this would happen in this way, and folk thought you were nuts then. Some of them, others others a bit wiser who knew you weren't. So yep, send a few bucks my way. Cutting through the matrix dot com. But I'm not finished just yet for tonight. I remember giving talks years ago on how authorities, and you're, and you're seeing it now, but this goes back to the old, old Soviet tech system in Russia. 
where they didn't need much of an excuse to arrest you anyway in Russia under the communist regime or in Eastern Germany either or the, or the, the, the Soviet bloc countries but if you spoke out against injustices you could all, especially if you complained about the system you, you'd be, they could arrest you as, as, as insane not under a criminal charge, you see, that's, this is the beauty of, again, the same characters that run legal systems, like the figuralists, the same guys, this real psychopaths, eh? different kinds of lawyers, we just reword this to get what we want. And so, it's nuisances in the Soviet system, you couldn't arrest them for, for just being a nuisance, right? So you, you would just say they were insane, because they had to be insane, because they were complaining about the most perfect system the world had ever seen, which was communism, see, world socialism. And so the, you get locked up, no trial or anything, yeah, that's the beauty of it. They did the same thing with the Unabomber, remember. They, they, they avoided the, a trial by declaring him insane, because they didn't want the public to find out what he was on about. <laughs> Just astonishing. And that's a big story in itself. So here we have it in the West, the same techniques, you see, if you're a nuisance. A German lawyer is sent to a psychiatric ward for organizing a protest against COVID-19 lockdown. So resistance to, to its now mass house arrest, right, lockdown, is now classified as mental illness. Well, here you go. Now, I've said it already, you're using the same communist tactics because what works is what's implemented for efficiency's sake by the elite. They don't care what it's called or who, who came out with it first. So in the Soviet Union, activists were sent to state psychiatric wards, according to the state. Any and all opposition to government policy was considered a form of mental illness. And it says Stephanie Buck writes about the treatment of the social parasite Joseph Brodsky. In 1963, Russian poet Joseph Brodsky was seized and sent to a mental institution. Hospital workers pumped him with tranquilizers and repeatedly woke him during the night. He was given cold baths and wrapped in wet canvas that shrank and cut his skin while drying. It's not likely that the German lawyer, Beatty Banner, will be tortured like Brodsky. However, that does not make her arrest and forced confinement in a mental institution any less egregious. So it says... So Banner has become known in the past few days for, with a call for nationwide demonstrations and an urgent application for the abolition of all corona protective measures, reports what the Welt, I guess it's called. And so the medical specialist lawyer from Heidelberg considers her corona rulers to be excessive and advocates for them to be abolished. You know, there you go. In the actual Soviet system, they, they, as I said, uh, if you would, they bring you in, you see, it's, it's like your sensitivity trainers, the same kind of thing. Uh, some of the, the advocates for the Antifa groups, too, talked about this. And some of the left-wing groups that behind the scenes were caught talking about communist overthrow of the system in the last election, before the last election. Uh, they, they actually, some of them actually said that, that they'd have to send folk off for re-education. It's like sensitivity training. That's, sensitivity training is part of this, so we understand this. It's, it sounds more benign, sensitivity training, but it really leads to, to the, whole, the whole system. And the guy that was, was actually videotaped, remember, uh, when Trump was running the last time, uh, said that, uh, well, what was, he says, well, what happens if you can't uh, change their opinions and their, their ways? He says, well, you have to literally eliminate them. That never changes, folks. 
So that's, they start off by by bringing you in for little talks, you see. You know, it's like that cop in Britain who, 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 who the police came to the door. He was next cop himself, I think. And the cop came to the door and said, well, or phone him up and said, we're, we're, we're not, we don't really like your, your, your thinking. That, that's what they said to him. You know, we don't like your thinking. Because he had certain opinions about certain things. And it wasn't a crime to have certain thinking, but they, they really uh, tried to get him to lose his job and everything else, I believe. Uh, it isn't just complaining to you. They can cut you off from your work or whatever by putting out false rumors or whatever it takes to, to get... This is all Soviet techniques, you understand. This is totalitarian system techniques. And it's in the West here. So yeah, if they can't persuade you, like, let's have a little talk. We'll try to see it our way. Won't you just go along with this and stop being a nuisance to society? And see it our way. But if you can't see it their way, what, what are they going to do with you? I hope you understand it. You're, in the, you're under tyranny right now. In the Soviet system, I think they called it um, inflexibility of opinion. That was a charge. That was, that, was called a, that was a mental illness, supposedly. Inflexibility of opinion. Well, it's here, folks. Oh, yeah. And it's just getting warmed up. And also, coronavirus, thousands protest in Germany against the restrictions. So I hope there's more folk backing up this woman and get her out of the loony bin. Yeah. Russia plans max vaccination campaign in October. When it hit me, I, I thought, you know, Russia, I, I was thinking that too. The, the country where they, they literally went through all that before with the big, big revolution and uh, all this, all the socialist and anarchist groups. There was, there was a couple of dozen of them. Uh, all vying to be leaders at one point until the, uh, literally the Bolsheviks used them all to get, to get the revolution going. And once they, they, they got to sleep one night, they, they literally, in a night, uh, just jumped over, you might say, and, and took it over for themselves. That's how it's always planned. You know, they always use the masses first. So, and then I thought that was in October, you see, 1917. That's, that's, that's the big month for revolution, eh? real revolution. Red October, October, surprise, October, October. So it's uh, Russia plans mass vaccination campaign in October. I hope they don't have terrible reactions to it. Early, especially come November, when regular flus and that, because if they cause cytokine storms because I've had a coronavirus type um, vaccination, then. Massive catastrophe, you know. We just don't know. This, this, this could happen everywhere if you don't do all the testing first. You know? Like long-term test, you don't just do. Oh, it will take a month. No, no, no. This has never been done. Especially when you're getting into the RNA type. These RNA modifiers, eh? It says in the, in the U.S. here, however, some experts are concerned at Russia's fast-track approach. On Friday, the leading infectious disease expert in the U.S., Dr. Anthony Fauci, Foxy Fauci, said he, he, he hoped that Russia and China were actually testing the vaccine before administering them to anyone. Well, you don't test just for a few tests or months. It takes years, folks. So Fauci said during in this article here about Russia, he said, well, the U.S. should have a safe and effective vaccine by the end of this year. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. Another article, too, is uh, 
says Trump's new Conservative Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, is a man unafraid to admit to being a liar. In fact, he seems to revel in his ability to lie to the American people. Remember, a week ago, that Pompeo told us that U.S. absolutely had to send a drone to assassinate Iran's top general, uh, Qassem Soleimani, while he was in Iraq on a peace mission because he was planning imminent attacks on U.S. personal and interest in the Middle East. These claims were crafted to blunt any criticism of the blatantly illegal act of killing a top military officer of a country with which you're not at war with, in a third country which forbade the attack on its soil, with which you are allied. And Americans raising concerns about the murder of Soleimani were to be made to look like unpatriotic if they objected. They were shouted down and say, oh, you mean you want Americans to die? And says that's how propaganda works. And when smoke clears, you laugh it off and admit it was all a lie, as Pompeo did last night. As I've said before, it's the same with invasion of Iraq. Uh, afterwards, uh, during the, the inquiry into it, uh, I don't know if it's still up there or anywhere on YouTube or anywhere, but Bush Jr. Uh, was televised, apparently, at the time. He did say that, um, oh, I never said that, that, that Saddam Hussein had anything to do with 9-11. He was just a bad man, and the world was better off without him. So that was the excuse for the mass invasion of Iraq. But the the media for a whole year have been harping on, they changed the gun sites of propaganda uh, from uh, Afghanistan very cleverly onto Iraq and tried to make people think, but through innuendos that somehow Saddam Hussein had caused the attack. It was just amazing to watch all happen. And at least some other uh, news papers at the time did Note that, and admits that uh, they were obviously uh, manipulating the data to get the public ready for an invasion on Iraq. And that's what they did. But that's what Bush said afterwards. And, well, I, I never said that. He says, you know, uh, I just thought he was a bad man. But you, I remember, too, the whole neocon idea strategy was first strike on everything. And they, they passed a law in the States, which they, kept, they, they adopted from Israel, in fact. Because Israel, uh, under their laws, if they thought you could be a problem or you could pose a threat of strike down the road, they would strike first instead to, to eliminate that possibility. And then we went into all the, 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 all the, the projections of the intelligence agencies that worked with uh, Bush Jr. At the time, and they said, well, we could use it in America too. And they did pass some kind of law or something to give themselves the right to, to hit um, people that they thought could be possible uh, possible uh, agitator or, or problems down the road. Rather than wait for it happening, get rid of them first, you see. That was in the papers at the time. I can look back and find it all if I wanted to, I'm sure. But it was the neocons, and, and the neocons are still like through Pompeo, it's a neocon, you know. And he, but this is the article here is talking about he revels in his ability to lie and actually laughs about it after the fact. After the fact, they all do that. From Bushman, I never said Saddam Hussein was buying it. Ha ha ha. Which he did at the time. Afterwards, after Afghanistan, he did certainly say that or innu- give innuendos. And also, uh, Pompeo, uh, yeah, he was, oh yeah, there was going to be an imminent attack by, by this general. And uh, no, there wasn't. It doesn't matter. See, truth doesn't matter. And uh, once they've done the dirty deed, it doesn't matter. The public don't care. It seems that they were lied to. If they really cared, even when they were lied to, I don't know. 
It's quite something, eh? Also, this is an interesting article. You, you see some of the people that were at these riots. And it says, um, two women, including a school social worker, right, were arrested Monday by police on charges of assaulting a Wisconsin state senator after he attempted to take photographs of protesters tearing down the statues. Now, he's a, he was a, Demo, a Democrat senator, right? He was on their side, but they didn't know it, I suppose. I guess he was a white guy with a suit on. And these two, two women, they showed the photographs of them, were part of a group that attacked him when they saw him taking photographs. So the two women are Samantha Hammer, 26, a social worker for the Mount Horeb School District, and Ken Carida uh, O'Reilly, uh, who's 33, uh, says here. Assault took place on June 24, but both women turned themselves in Monday, because they're on camera, right? It says, Hammer is on administrative leave, according to school superintendent. During the assault, the mob brushed the state senator, Democrat Senator Tim Carpenter, after he was allegedly trying to take a photo, a photo as he toppled two statues. He said he fell to the ground, because they jumped him, right? And was repeatedly punched and kicked in the head, and later required surgery. These are females attacking me. Well, why? Because he's a white guy? Everybody's, everybody's been so enraged that they've been, that the hate has been built up to be beyond toxic levels. You can't, I don't think you can help these folk, you know. They see a guy, they didn't even bother to find out who he is, and just go for him. And he's getting kicked in the head till he's unconscious and the whole thing, you know. And he had to get surgery. And a journalist from local channel WKOW tweet that Carpenter had told them he was assaulted, then collapsed minutes later, as is after he got beaten up, as he tried to walk towards the state capitol building. This is we call paramedics and ambulance, and ambulance here now, blah, blah. It says, minutes earlier, the senator, Carpenter, told us the protester assaulted, then he collapsed walking towards the capitol. So Hammer and O'Reilly are expected to make their initial appearance in Dane County Circuit Court Wednesday. They're facing charges of substantial battery, as a party to a crime, and robbery as well, with use of force as a party to a crime. I don't know if they stole the camera, what he what, what did, you know. That, that's what you deal with these days, because there's, there's a lot of fostered and indoctrinated insanity in some people now. I hope you understand that. Very dangerous times. It says that Camden tried to explain that he was an ally to the demonstrators, according to the New York Post. They say he was on their side, you see. And I guess they knew that their photographs taken, so they had to turn themselves in, because the charges go up higher if you don't, and, you're, and then they come for you. I also put up the article by Peter Hitchens, and it says the government's national panic service is being used to keep us in a condition of perpetual alarm about coronavirus. And he talks about the, the absurd uh, demands are getting placed on people now. And then, the, and the huge number of those now being absurdly listed as infected with this bogeyman disease, and they're perfectly healthy. He also talks about being forced to to use. Uh, he calls it a nappy. Now, a nappy in Britain is is a diaper. The face mask is a nappy. You see, and how you get you're forced to use this nappy, etc., etc. 
and how in certain circumstances dangerous. Never mind the fact it, it interferes with your breathing, for goodness sake, you know. If nature wanted you to go through, breathe through a special filter, you had been born with it, and the fact that you're getting forced to wear these masks, um, uh, forget it. The facts don't matter. You know, facts don't matter. It's a huge agenda of conformity, and to, and also to make to, to turn the other folk on the ones who won't comply. That, that that's what they're trying to do. Calling you psychopaths now. Eh? Oh my goodness, you're a psychopath. Oh. You won't comply, eh? Hmm. But it's a good article, and he, he mentions how, how ridiculous it is and how they even, he says, I'm being accused, he says, for daring to stay calm about certain nonsense and so on. He says, I'm then accused of being a collaborator with the wicked Nazi virus. And it's true they're using Nazi for everything, don't they? He says, they played at once independent magazine Private Eye, now a boring mouthpiece of wokeness, actually did this to me last week. The, the truth is that the number of deaths from COVID, even the fiddled and inflated version, which the government clings to, is falling closer and closer to zero. <laughs> so even more significantly, our hospital admissions, which would be rising steeply if these infections figures were actually represented large numbers of seriously ill people. The, tr- the things are true, both of Britain and Spain, whose supposed spike in COVID was used to destroy the holiday plans of more than a million people last week. They're, they're destroying the economy. This is chaos, planned chaos to bring out a whole new system. Mm-mm-mm. I'll tell you. So according to the coronavirus uh, world meter, the daily COVID deaths in Spain for the past few weeks have rarely risen above five a day and have often been fewer than that. Now remember, too, if you die, there's folk dying every day of everything, always have done through history. Every day folk die, but they're putting them all down as COVIDs today. Eh? Even if they suspect it might have been, even if test negative, etc., etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll put this article up. But he did make a statement, a different article, I think it was the same article here. Oh, he did, it's further down, it says, I'll happily give blood but not in a muzzle. So he tried, tried to give a pint of blood, and uh, he, he tries to do that fairly regularly. And, um, but he, they demanded that he wear the, the face mask, eh? He, he, demand, he declined to wear the muzzle. He said, oh, how selfish and pompous of me to deprive someone in need of my blood because I wouldn't don a strip of cloth for a few minutes. Well, I don't agree. And if you do, you can easily nip along to your nearest blood bank and replace the pint I didn't give with one of your own. In other words, he won't give in, and that's how he's trying to tell you. If you really are a self-motivated and independent person, using your own brains and everything, and all of this, this incredible chaos... Uh, then uh, he says you, you can't just buckle in and conform to what they're demanding you do, even though it's all ridiculous nonsense. And he, he also gives a good uh, reason for it too. He says, you know, um, some of the other blood banks that are taking blood and so on, does you take the, the mass off in some other places? Uh, he says, uh, they, go, they tell you to remove the mass because they can't tell if, you, if you're going to faint or you have fainted. <laughs> it's common sense, isn't it? <laughs> well, 
What's the first thing you see in the old, old movies when the women were fainting in old black and white movies? You know? Oh, oh, oh quick, quick, give her, give her air, give her air, you know. But he, here they want you to wear a face mask and suffocate to death. Because it's nothing to do with what they're telling you. It's total conformity and to absurdity. Uh, to, because without the mask, folk go back to normal. They, see, they get closer to each other. They already knew this would happen, and it did happen. And for about a month in the summer, folks started to just go back. And, and they wouldn't care so much about distancing and all that. Which means they forget about the nonsense to do with the vaccine coming. They want you to be concentrated about nothing else except the vaccine. And the only way it'll remind you is, oh, you're all, you're, you're, you know, everybody around you could be infected, so wear masks. It's all psychology. <laughs> That's what it is, folks. Well, I, I hate to prattle on, but, um, and I hope, I really, I, I really am getting a lot of good information, actually, from folk who are emailing me from across the planet and what they're seeing and what they're experiencing. And how even small shopkeepers having to close down. They're so terrified of being killed. I'm talking about little, little sto- very little stores, you know, small stores. Because of what's going on, all the chaos that's going on right now. And the elite are using uh, all these agencies around them of, of uh, factions of angry youth, as you might say, who are already uh, fanaticized by the schooling system and indoctrination system. Oh, by the way, just before I go, just that ties into what I'm just saying right now. At the European group uh, talk, and I'll put up the, the video link to it, where you hear all the specialists talking about how they want to really mandate. And, and, and again, the, the, the guy comes in to, from Facebook to, to help censor people. Yeah, but we'll be censoring folk who put up disinformation. And, and then Mozilla, I, don't, I hope they don't get public funding, because <laughs> it must be a self... Uh, Thing. Mozilla also has a representative too, though. so they'll, they'll steer them off into the wrong directions. If they, and they'll decide where you're going to look for instead of what you think you're going to look for. They'll decide for you. It's just disgusting what you're seeing happening. But that's what you're left with. Everything's so manipulated. And, and uh, I, I said years ago, eventually, I said, I'll do away with the radio. And they did. They brought the internet in. And I says, you know, you'll regret it. And they used to have worldwide shortwave radio. And everybody went digital, you see, oh no, it's much easier. And uh, a lot of folk had their small uh, small printing machines and so on. They could print up new, weekly newspapers and stuff. I says, hold on to them, you, eventually you, you have so much censorship. This is the 90s. I says, here's how they're going to unroll it, and that's what, exactly what they've done. And I says, and, uh, I says, eventually, and this is the 90s, I says, eventually you'll need all this stuff again to be able to pass messages or, or just basic information to each other on any scale at all. And here we are. Eh? Quite something. Sad times, isn't it? So anyway, remember folks, uh, go to com. send a few bucks my way, hopefully you will, and I'll, I'll keep at it as long as I can breathe. Eh? And uh, we'll see what happens there. So thanks for the folk, as I say. Keep sending emails in to let me know what you're seeing personally uh, in different countries. Because it, it, it shows you the, the scope of this and uh, how everything's lockstep together, you know. Like occasional little tweaks for different cultures, that was all, it was all planned that way. But uh, the same goals. Right? For myself, Alan Mortman, here in Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's go with you.